Welcome to Free Talk Live, another episode for you where you can take control of the airwaves. Should you wish to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. A bit of a different crew in the studio here tonight. We've got, is it fair to call you the Liberty Block Brothers? Yeah, I guess you could. We've been called worse. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Our normal... Thursday night co-hosts have gracefully stepped away for this evening so we could have you guys in. Uh, I'm Ian Freeman as usual, but also joining us tonight, it's... Alu Axelman. And? Laser Axelman. So, uh, listeners to the show certainly are familiar with you, Alu. You've called in a number of times. I'm pretty sure we've interviewed you from the Porcupine Freedom Festival in the past, maybe somewhere else as well. Um, But you've been, I would say, an irregular caller to the show, talking about independence, secession... Uh, the Liberty Block, of course, your website is thelibertyblock.com. Just libertyblock.com. Just liberty. I'm so sorry about that. Libertyblock.com. What happens if you go to the Liberty? Does that even I don't know. resolve I, to anything? Sometimes when people together. when people look up the Liberty Block on Google, if it's not the first thing, they'll find like blockchain stuff and okay. other Liberty stuff. That's good to which be is with. Fine too. Yeah. Good enough. Uh, but I don't think our listeners probably know you, Laser, so you're pretty pretty new to uh, the Free Talk Live listening audience. From what I understand, you've spent some time in Ukraine recently? Yeah, so I just got back a very short while ago. I just got back to the United States last week. Wow. I've uh, been out in Ukraine for most of the last year and a half, a little bit more than that. And as I understand it, you are doing like health-related stuff? Are you an EMT like Alu, or what, what yeah, is it? Yeah, so Alu and I actually went to paramedic school together, so we've been doing that for a good while together now. And... I was doing that out there. I was attached to a medical team attached to the diplomatic monitoring mission that's been going on there since 2014. The diplomatic monitoring mission. What is that and whose so, mission is it? There's an organization called the OSCE, which is the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. Think of them. Is this the EU? It's not EU. It's not UN, but largely in some functions, they essentially do the same kind of work. So it's a 57-nation conglomerate that dates back to the 1970s. It's had several names since then. Uh, the United States is a founding member, among others. Until recently, Russia and Belarus were also members before okay. being formally kicked out of the coalition. But they essentially have monitoring missions anywhere in one of their member states if there's any type of war. So at various points, they've had missions, large-scale missions in places like Georgia, Kosovo, and uh, the Balkan states, things like that. They still have small offices monitoring things in Moldova, in Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, all over the place, wherever they're involved. So it's similar to EU style and UN missions in a lot of regards. So what do they monitor? So essentially what they were doing out there is monitoring the actual conflict that's been going on since 2014. It's been hot and cold. It was hotter and then it was colder until obviously very recently when it became a full-scale war again. Mm -hmm. Uh, They went out there relatively early in 2014 and... Essentially, it was a lot of documenting kind of what's actually happening on the ground. They've had teams since the beginning on both sides of what's referred to as the contact line, essentially what's formally held by the Ukrainian government versus what's held by the breakaway states in the east. Mm -hmm. And so they've had teams on both sides, and kind of their job is to primarily observe and report. They also have a mediating function where to get things done, they'll have both sides sit down and go, hey, for example – This town has had no water in six days because of shelling. If you guys could just sit down, calm down, give us what they call a window of silence for X amount of time or over X amount of days so that we can come in and get these people some electricity and water back. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. And then go back to doing what you were doing. Uh, There's also some of what they call human dimension, which is essentially humanitarian type 
uh, observe and report work. So finding out what's actually happening on the ground, what these social situations are like, things like electricity, water supply, food supplies, and things of this sort. So kind of a mix of normal diplomatic missions plus some humanitarian type missions uh, from a at least theoretically non-biased standpoint on both sides. So kind of reporting whatever they see, no matter who fires what shell, mm-hmm. they simply go back and say, hey, we saw a shell come from this direction or that direction at these coordinates, and that's that. And then every single day since the beginning of the mission, they publish a complete report on all their findings for the last 24 hours on their website. Every day? Every day. And what, what is their website? It's oh, I believe it's just osce.org, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong about the .org part. And you work for the... OSCE. So I work for a contractor that provides the medical support to the OSCE mission. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long were you there? I was there since July of 2020. And you just left yeah. just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, you've been back. You've had a few breaks, right? Yeah, I've had breaks. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been on leave and I have a pretty generous schedule. So I've come and gone numerous times, but the mission was temporarily suspended when all of this broke out. Mm-hmm. So within a few days, they evacuated all of us. Every single member got out safely. That was the end of that. We evacuated uh, from the Western teams, evacuated into Moldova and Romania. The teams in the very, very far east evacuated into Russia without any issue. Hmm. And then the Russian teams were evacuated to Turkey, and the Western teams were evacuated to Vienna, and everybody went home. How did you get evacuated? Uh, We had armored cars. We have diplomatic vehicles. Mm -hmm. So we just got in a convoy of our own vehicles and And drove across the country. Getting through the border. No, not really. I mean, we well, had some interesting things during the convoy, but yeah, there were interesting <laughs> things. I mean, it was it was we drove for two straight days through mm-hmm. the night and just rotated drivers and kept going, but we all got out safe. Wow. And yeah, and then I hung out in Europe for ten days because I felt like I earned a vacation. So. Okay, and now you're back here in the now I'm back in the states. Uh, you guys are brothers. Are you the older of the the mm-hmm. two? I am by about okay. a year and a half. Okay. Uh, so if you guys want to join us here, whether you want to talk about Ukraine or whatever, I know we're probably going to get into secession because when you when you <laughs> walked through the door of the studio, which, by the way, is your first time at, uh, in Keene, right, for anything. Yeah, I came yeah. to Keene to visit with my wife a few years ago. Long time for, ago? Yeah, okay. years ago. But first time in the studio. Yeah, first um, time here. And, and you heard us from down the block, right? <laughs> just about. Uh, and I said, do you guys are you guys always like this? Because you... Y'all were not even stopping talking constantly. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be hard on the air. But you could, you've been good so far. No, so we we'll can see. behave. When, <laughs> we are <laughs> professionals. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, but I, I guess more questions about Ukraine since, you know, you were actually there. And it's so hard to look at the different reports from the different sides and believe anything. I uh, fully agree with you. Um Look, even you don't know who to believe, or do you, even do you have I don't any know. You were there. I was there. I I can say the things that I saw. Of course, we were out in the first few days, mm-hmm. and so anything that's happened in the last few weeks, I you couldn't know. give you a firsthand account. The best I could give you is secondhand accounts mm-hmm. from friends that I still have in various parts of the country. Other than that, I I have access to at least a little bit of stuff that most Americans probably don't, not through any official channels, but just because of my local friends, I have. For example, Telegram has been a wealth of information. Hmm. Is any of it trustworthy? No. But is it information? Sure. So I over there, I have both Russian and Ukrainian channels, and I've come across more than one video where one will claim, hey, we just blew up this Russian convoy, and then the same videos in the Russian channel, it goes, hey, we just blew up this Ukrainian convoy. I'm like, that's the same (laughs) 40-second clip, guys. You guys drive the same (laughs) tanks, fly the same helicopters, have most of the same equipment. It's very hard to tell. It's not like it's two teams wearing different color uniforms right. and you go, oh, this is from here and this is from there. 
they literally use almost entirely all the same equipment. Do you speak either Ukrainian or Russian? Uh, so where I lived in the very far east, the day-to-day functional language is Russian. Okay. All schools are in Ukrainian, radios in Ukrainian, things like that. But if you're out on the street, everybody speaks Russian. People at home speak Russian. So you were in the eastern yeah, uh, I was in, Donbass Yeah, I province. was in the Donetsk Oblast. Okay. So you can speak Russian now. I speak a functional but ugly Russian. Okay. It's enough to get me around pretty comfortably. Did you learn any of it before you went there? Or? I think I need 12 words, six of which I can't repeat on the radio. Okay. <laughs> so you picked it up just by being immersed in it? Or did you actually start doing like a Russian class or like a, you know... I did a lot of work. It's a hard language. It's admittedly a much more complex language than I realized. The grammar is incredibly complex. Pretty once you figure it out, which I haven't. Mm -hmm. But I had books, applications, a lot of conversations with our translator team, Hmm. a lot of conversation with Russian speaking colleagues, and then just putting myself in it. So a little bit of immersion, reading, listening, watching, everything I could. And so you're the OSCE, this diplomatic monitoring mission, I think you called it. Is that right? Um, They've been out there since 2014. Yeah. Was that, did they go out after the Donbass uh, areas declared independence? I could not tell you mm-hmm. exactly the date they went out. Uh, what? I wasn't there, but they were and they were involved very, very early in the conflict. They had a team out there. We're going to talk more about it coming up here. If you've got some questions for somebody who is actually in Ukraine, because uh, you know, we don't hear from those people too often, although we have had a few callers over the last few weeks. The number is 603-283-6160. we got Alu and Laser in the studio here with us tonight, guys from libertyblock.com. Uh, You can join us here as well and bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. If you want to join the show, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Different crew in the studio here tonight. We've got Ian Laser and Alu. Laser and Alu are from the Liberty Block, and you can go to libertyblock.com. Now, Laser, do you actually blog over at Liberty Block? I do from time to time. I used to be a lot more involved. It all spawned off a radio show that we had in Connecticut, an AM radio show, and that's what led to the Liberty Block, and then we kind of just put recordings of the shows on the website, and then as we both moved out of the tri-state area and could no longer maintain that, it became a website that spawned into its own little media outlet and then grew from there. Oh, see, I didn't know the history of... We're originally uh, on 1490 AM. Where? WGCH. It's uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Connecticut. B- what was it? Connecticut. What What station? W- 1490 WGCH. BCH. WGCH. GCH. Okay, very good. Like that was, was that one of the ones where you pay for airtime or did they give yeah, you Yeah, the- so we paid for like a 10-week yeah. block mm-hmm. um, and we got on a tiny bit of little advertisers or live reads and affiliates and stuff. And it was just a one-hour show. We, we said whatever we wanted on Wednesdays like Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon for like an hour. It was pretty good, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock hour. Was it just the two of you or was your dad involved with it? It was mostly me. I brought him on as a Mm co-host a few times. I brought on my dad once, I think, and a few other co-hosts. And we interviewed like Larry Sharp and some other libertarians. So we interviewed plenty of guys too. Aren't you guys originally from New York? Heavens no, thankfully. Well, we were in New York for 10 years. So when we were doing (laughs) this, we drove to Greenwich for the studio. It was a few minutes away. Okay. So yeah, we were there for most of our adult lives in New York. In in the city, right? Yeah, in in New York. So we drove from Queens right over through the Bronx to Greenwich. It was like a border city. And we did this show for a few months. And then I, I didn't renew it. I was moving here in 2017, mm-hmm. so I moved here. So I didn't renew it back in Connecticut. But yeah, it started as a radio show. I made libertyblock.com to host the audio from the shows, mm-hmm. the MP3. 
And then I started supplementing with blogging and I started realizing I like writing about how terrible de Blasio is and New York City government. You know, um, I, I just loved de Blasio and Cuomo gave me so much. Ammunition. No shortage of yeah, yeah. You know, content. And, yeah. And they were the ones who radicalized me from conservative libertarian to voluntarist. Oh, thanks. So I, I usually I, I take credit for that, Blasio. but yeah. fine. De Blasio. Well, you, were there, yeah. <laughs> you were there too, but mostly de Blasio. Um, so, yeah, so I wrote articles. And then once I moved here, I was doing articles and I kept it going with the podcast, not radio, but podcast mm-hmm. and videos. And I kept writing articles and I realized I like articles as much or more than I like doing audio. I still love both to this mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. I love writing. I love doing, you know, uh, speaking podcast videos. So the now the limited block is still, you know, kind of half articles and half a, a big podcast video segment of the site and a lot of articles as well. So we still do both. But now we don't write about New York. We write about local stuff in New Hampshire where, where it matters and mm-hmm. we can get wins for liberty. So are you kind of like when you're not traveling the world doing this uh, various medical missions that you're on, Laser, are you based in New Hampshire now? Loosely sort of kind of yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I had a normal domicile, if okay. you will, is Wyoming. And that was over two years ago already. And since then, hmm. I've done work he's in a, gypsy a bunch he's just, of different he's states just a overseas. So, I mean, I, I live where my companies put me or in whatever hotel they put me in. I gotcha. It's been an interesting couple of years. Yeah, I bet. Uh, hmm. So, we were talking about your experience in Ukraine. Uh, you're there for the OCSE, which I forgot the what OSCE, that stands for. Yeah. O- o- OSCE, thank yeah. you. Uh, and you were a contractor for them. They're there monitoring the situation, basically, yeah. after 2014 in Ukraine. Yep. And for listeners that maybe aren't familiar, as I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong about, you know, from your understanding of what happened. You've got these two, let's call them states. Uh, that's the, probably the easiest way to relate them. These ex- sections of Ukraine called the Donbass province, I think, or something like that. So, that there's uh, Luhansk and Donetsk. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, so Donbass is sort of a region. Mm-hmm. A region, okay. It, it's actually sort of a, uh, well, I forget the word I'm looking for, but when you just squish two words together, it's the Donetsk Basin, and essentially it's massively oh, okay. significant because of the natural resources there. Mm. Are the It's the primary source of natural resources in Ukraine in terms of things like coal and other sort of mines, I see. Uh, minerals, things like that. So for the in the Soviet days, it was a massively industrial area. Cities like Mariupol, which is now all over the news, mm-hmm. Mariupol has horrible problems with uh, the air quality over there is just horrifically bad. So is the water quality in the Sea of Azov. And much of the reason for that is all of the plants and factories. There's a hmm. factory on the edge of Mariupol that is, from what I've been told, six kilometers long. Jeez. I know that when you drive by it, it takes 15 minutes. It's the largest facility Same. of any kind I've ever seen. And what do they it's make? It's some there? kind of steelworks or ironworks, huh. by my understanding, but it's been standing for decades. Wow. It's still partially operational. It's not running at full scale like it was back mm-hmm. in the Soviet days, but it's a massively industrial area, and that's primarily the reason for its importance in terms of what it naturally does offer is it's the industrial piece of Ukraine, essentially. Supposedly, there's a lot of people there that speak Russian and want their independence from Ukraine, so there were some... Uh, ballot measures, I guess, that they created. There was an independence movement. Uh, they declared independence. They voted supposedly for independence. Of course, the other side says the vote was a sham. and that Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. And so it's hard to really know. Obviously, you weren't there for it. Did you hear anything from people about whether or not they do want to be part of Russia or independent from Ukraine? Because they did say they're independent. They didn't join, quote unquote, Russia. They're supposedly independent republics now. So it really, it does depend who you ask. And this is, I feel like it's not any different in most other countries where things like this happen, whether Mm -hmm. on larger or smaller scales. 
if you ask some people, they 100% want to be part of Russia. If you ask some people, they 100% want independence. And if you ask other people, it's the tiniest percentage of people who wanted to be in any way independent or Russian affiliated mm. who really just dragged all of the proud Ukrainians along with them. Mm. It really depends who you stop and ask on the street. I can say that in Donetsk, right in the center of the city, there's a gigantic not really sure how to describe it. It's sort of like a welcome sign. When you enter a city, there will be a big sign, welcome to wherever. There's a huge I love Russia sign mm-hmm. right in the heart of the city of Donetsk. There are Soviet flags that still hang in Donetsk and Russian flags that hang in Donetsk. The Lenin statue still stands in, mm. like right around the center of the town. Yuck. There's definitely some percentage of people there that have some degree of Russian allegiance and or even if it's not modern, some historical Soviet slash previously Russian ancestry allegiance. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know. And it's it's just hard to say because who really knows? Yeah. But there's at least some degree of significant movement there for either independence or some degree of affiliation with Russia. Mm. But Be- it's hard to know if it's even a majority. It's so hard to know because who knows? And yeah. like you said early on, there's so much propaganda in every direction that mm. trying to weed out what's factually based, you know, is it 10% who want that or is it 90? Who knows? The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Because mm-hmm. that's the excuse or one of the excuses that Putin used for the invasion was he's saying, hey, you know, these people declared independence. I'm just here to back them up. Uh, we're going to, you know, Russia's going to recognize these countries as independent republics. And he says that there have been attacks against the people of these areas by the rest of Ukraine, which he claims is run by Nazis. He wants right. to denazify, as he says, and demilitarize the rest of Ukraine. Um, you were talking about shellings earlier in the area. So is that a real thing? Were the people in Donbass, in Luhansk and Donetsk being attacked by elsewhere in Ukraine? From both sides. it's There have been times where it's ice cold. There have been times where it heats up a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's been some degree of activity back and forth pretty much nonstop since 2014. And when you say activity, you mean violence? So the yeah. Ukrainian government has been attacking Lugansk and Donetsk for being independent? Yeah, and the question, if you obviously, it all depends who you ask who shot first, mm-hmm. but there have been shells flying across both directions over the course of the last eight years. Really? There have been random machine guns across. Every now and then, one mm-hmm. side will claim, hey, a sniper from the other side took out one of our guys. So who knows? The number here, if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's, uh, it's interesting having the perspective from someone who's been there for the last couple of years. And you don't really know that much more than anybody else. It's all a mystery, my friend. <laughs> what is the truth? Well, if you got an opinion, you can share it with us here. 603-283-6160. I know one thing's for sure. RT.com's being blocked all over the place. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. Talk live. The phones are open here. If you want to join us, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. You go to Bitcoin.com and you can learn the basics about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. 
All you have to do is click Get Started at the top of the page there, and then you'll find some introductory videos. If you only have three minutes, just watch the first one. If you got a little more time, maybe you'll want to dig in a little bit deeper, and they can help you with that there. You'll get some of the basics down, like, you know, what's decentralization? Why does that matter? Uh, what is, you know, the blockchain? Get some basic explanations so you can grasp some new concepts, which are important to understand if you're going to get into the world of crypto. Uh, you don't want to go into it blind, that's for sure. Go to Bitcoin.com, click Get Started, and get started today. Also, if you're not new to cryptocurrency, you want to get the latest news headlines, they've got those for you over at News dot bitcoin.com again that's news.bitcoin.com uh joining you in the studio tonight it's ian laser and alu uh, you guys are from libertyblock.com we've been talking about laser's experience in ukraine you were there for the last couple of years just got out uh basically what a couple days after the shooting started yeah i think we technically crossed the border out about three days in do you think it's true that uh, what putin is claiming that he's only there to attack military targets and he's not there to you know go after the civilians so it really did look like that on day one mm-hmm. and i can tell you we woke up everyone in my whole town will always remember we woke up at exactly four fifty-seven in the morning when a ballistic missile hit the airport mm-hmm. it turns out they're very loud so mm-hmm. there was a second one that followed and about an hour of fighting back and forth rumor has it a jet was shot down who knows mm-hmm. then there was a third ballistic missile it was already dawn so we Watched that one fly directly overhead. I think it hit the fuel supply at the airport because the whole sky turned orange for a moment. Wow. So it was an interesting start, but following the news as it unraveled that day, it seemed like at least 10 airports around the country had been hit from east to west, north to south. Mm -hmm. It was precision strikes. They took out airports. They took out munitions depots. They took out military equipment factories. They hit a couple army bases, training facilities, things like that. It looked to be... Precise, quick, clean, accurate, pointed, very specifically at strategic targets. And it looked that way throughout the first day. The second day, it started to get a little bit different. Uh, Now, at this point, who knows what the targets actually are, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely no longer concentrated on military facilities and strategic places. Hmm. Yeah, there was something on RT.com, which of course uh, is Russia Today, and that is the government-funded news network from uh, the Russian government. And obviously, it's propaganda. You do have to take it with a with a grain of salt, but that's also true of the Western media. So you have no idea. I mean, what the truth is. But it's interesting that RT is being banned uh, in so many different places. You mentioned this off the air, Alu, that the channel has been banned by governments in Australia, in the European Union, Canada as well. So basically all of the Western governments, with the exception of the United States uh, and maybe Mexico, uh, have uh, have you know banned this content i think that's very interesting because you then you get the other side of the story so just the other day there was a story at rt about well what about the uh the missile that struck the shopping mall you know like th- here's the russian side of the story because apparently that's what the mainstream media was reporting on oh my god you know the missile struck a shopping mall well apparently the mall was like empty um, it was an old mall or something like that, and there were allegedly like missile launchers that had been moved into the parking lot of that mall. So it's it, you know it's interesting just kind of reading the different sides to this. Like yeah, well okay, that's why we struck this mall because they were using it as a cover for their missile launchers. And I think that's always the way it is in any conflict: is everybody lies, and the truth is loosely, vaguely somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Generally, 
who knows with this one? I don't know which shopping mall you're referring to. I do know there was one relatively brand new shopping mall mm. in Kiev. And this one I know more firsthand because I have a friend who lived five minutes from there. And it wasn't like that shopping mall was a functional shopping mall where my they friend that, used to blow that go up? to the movies. And it is now completely, I mean, it was hit directly. Wow. I saw an after photo. It's a carcass of a building. It's wild. Whew. One strike, perfectly accurate obliterated the entire thing. So I don't know if there's another mall in question yeah, here, but that's one. at least one mall. And I got that information from our friend who lived five minutes away. Yeah, I was now in say, Poland. What um what would you or what have you been hearing from the people? Because obviously you're you got out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um but you said you know people there, right? So I mean what are you hearing from them? So I in the town that I live in, I still have a good decent number of friends who are on the ground in town. I also I'm part of a couple Telegram channels that are local news for the town. Anything just update for the town. They predate all of this war. It's just been town news, if you will. Mm -hmm. And part of the things that they now include are when the air raid sirens go on and off. So I get notifications every time those things go on and off. And it's been anywhere between 5 and 20 times a day. And it'll last anywhere from 2 minutes to an hour. Mm. And whenever that happens, I'll reach out to some of my friends on the ground and go, Hey, what's actually happening? Is this just a siren? Are you hearing explosions? Are you seeing things? It's been a mix. Sometimes it's just sirens. Sometimes there are explosions. Sometimes they're far. Sometimes they're close. A building about three minutes walk from me right behind the supermarket I used to go to did get hit. At least one person died. I saw photos that my friend took on the ground who lives in the building next door to that one. So there's act, there is there are munitions hitting towns mm-hmm. and hitting civilian mm-hmm. areas and that's what i'm getting most of my friends thankfully have actually gotten out and are now spread all over europe as far as dublin but i do still have friends on the ground in a couple of very small towns in the east in kramatorsk where i was in kiev and toward the west in lviv and ivano frankivsk probably a couple other places that i'm not thinking of when you say your friends have gotten out uh are they all female or are there men who've been able to leave because we heard early on that they were locking down the border for any men under the age of 60 basically so that is true i most of the friends that i have who've gotten out are female Mm -hmm. i know of one or two who are male but i could not tell you how they got out i don't know if they had some special thing i don't know if maybe they were prior service and had an injury so they got some sort of an exemption. I don't know if they have medical exemptions. I, I have no idea. I know of two or three guys who have gotten out who are in their 30s. They went out through regular channels, through regular checkpoints, so they must have something in place that allowed that. However, overall, yes, a Ukrainian citizen, the male citizens between 18 and 60, have not been allowed to leave the country by and large. And that is an official actual rule that's been laid down. Mm-hmm. I've also heard stories, though I cannot confirm it, that the same has been put into effect for permanent residents who are not citizens. Mm. I can't confirm that, but it's stuff I've heard through the grapevine. Now, that obviously seems like a step one towards a military draft. Do you know if that's also happening, a draft at this point? I have no idea. I I would agree that does seem to be tipping in that direction, Mm -hmm. but I haven't heard anything about that, and I don't know how really they would implement it in the midst of all this. I think when all the dust settles from this, is that something that could be in the pipeline in the future? I would say that seems reasonable. I would say it's a good guess, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. So it looks like the shopping mall was in Kiev. A story from RT.com, the Russian Defense Ministry has released a video which it claims shows Ukrainian rocket artillery for which civilian buildings had been used as a cover before it was hidden inside a Kiev shopping mall. The site was destroyed overnight in a missile strike, which the Ukrainian authorities described as an indiscriminate bombing of a civilian target. The Major General Igor Konoshkinov 
said uh, on March 21st, during the night, a high-precision long-distance weapon was used to destroy a battery of Ukrainian, multiple rocket launcher artillery, and the base where they stored munition ammunition in a defunct shopping center. Now, you described this as a brand new so. Mall. It's. I mean, I'm. It's very possible there were totally things hidden in that mm-hmm. shopping center. I have no idea. I just know it was there, and now it's not. Yeah. And per my friend who lived about five minutes away, uh, this is toward the west of Kiev, and she said she used to get her nails done in that shopping center and mm-hmm. go to the movies. So, I know it's functional. Maybe it's half functional, but I know it is a functional shopping center. Well, not anymore. Apparently, right. right now, it is <laughs> it is nothing. It's rubble. Well, yeah, and that's you know that's one of those things that it's definitely a strategy, right, to use the civilians as a cover. Even hospitals, we, we've yeah. seen with other wars. Yeah. I think some some Islamic terrorists have done this. You know, go set up in a hospital, use them as even targets, or set it up as their home base. Either take over the hospital and get the patients out, or you know, also residential houses. They'll go to a house and kind of commandeer it, like a mm-hmm. Third Amendment type of thing of quartering in the house. Absolutely. And then yep. once you bomb the hospital or the house, they say, "Look at these Look evil at these monsters." Yep. 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 Uh, and I'm not saying the Russians aren't monsters. They are bad, you know, oppressive people as well. These are two very oppressive nations. Are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, these are not the freest of the uh, the nations on the planet. That is for sure. And even the so-called freest countries are full of a bunch of tyrants. Less free than you think. Yeah, exactly. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. But yet the people in the West are trying to position Zelensky and the Ukrainians as freedom fighters, and it's ridiculous. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. Phones are open. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And you can bring up anything that you want, although right now we're, we've got a guy in the studio, Laser, from LibertyBlock.com. Also, his brother, Alu, who is not, has not spent time in Ukraine, so you haven't been doing as much uh, talking here in this uh, this episode so far. We're going to get into it, because you guys actually disagree on things, and we're going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do. We stormed into the house <laughs> fighting viciously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's coming up. But uh, still just kind of you know, getting your input on the time that you spent in Ukraine, and of course you still know people who are there, and we're going to continue that discussion here. But again, the number is 603-283-6160. Uh, so you were, we were actually just talking about during the break that your statement about the people in Ukraine, or at least in the areas that you were spending time, just don't care about what the laws say. And one of the things you were mentioning a little while back, not on the air, there's like speakeasies that are in operation there right now due to uh, the curfews and due to the, the various restrictions that are in place. I think there's they didn't they just recently declare martial law or something like that in Ukraine. So since the conflict began, my understanding is they have that was after I left. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak to any of that. I can speak during the covid restrictions. And this was all across the country. And I ran into it. And a lot of friends were telling me about places they were going in various cities, east to west. But. During the lockdowns, there were a lot of places that simply remained open behind black curtains, Mm. and it seemed to be a theme, and all of my Ukrainian friends didn't really react about it as if that was totally a normal thing, and it it just seems to—I don't know if it's some kind of a holdover from feeling like they recently got out from under the oppression of the Soviets, and therefore they have no time for laws or government, Mm. but by and large, all of the Ukrainian people I met in my time there— they're not running around acting crazy, but they don't seem to have much regard for whatever's a law on paper. Hmm. 
Give me some examples. I like the speakeasies during all the COVID lockdowns or all the COVID rules that came through, whether it was masks, closing restaurants. and So the national Ukrainian government was mm-hmm. issuing the standard COVID crackdown kind of rules At like points. everywhere. It was never quite as bad as, mm-hmm. as most Western countries. For example, they divided it, the country into regions and then a region could be various color codes and if you were a red region then at that point you would have these restrictions in place such as no dine in indoors at mm-hmm. restaurants and things like that so but people were still but doing the restaurants that? that could find a way around it such as restaurants that had a second story or a basement mm. by and large would shut down the floor that's visible from the street <laughs> and if you knew how to get in if you knew the right phone number if you mm-hmm. knew the right knock if you knew the right person if you knew what number to send a text message to places remained open wow even in kiev and you were there for this. You you lived through yeah, this. Yeah, I was. I would be hanging out with a local friend who'd say, "Let's get dinner," and I would say, "Well, everything's closed." And they're like, "No, it's not." <laughs> you got to know the right people. I yeah, I uh-huh. met the right people. I would yeah. never have found these places on my own. They right. were relatively enough well hidden from mm-hmm. the street view, but there were certainly open places huh. across the country and busy. Right, like when you went in there, normally yeah, normally busy. People would just. Once you were indoors, you'd never realize there were any sort of rules in place. It was business as usual on the inside. And if they didn't follow all the mask and vaccine mandates, I assume everyone in Ukraine is dead now. Well, obviously, Mm -hmm. that's the only way this could have gone. As I understand it, the official numbers for Ukraine as far as vaccination are very low, right? 30s percentile. I have no idea. I would assume very low. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't give you a number because I was too busy not caring. Yeah. So, don't know. What else uh, have I not asked you about that uh, you want to tell us about your ex- experience there? Because obviously you've experienced a lot in, in two years. So Yeah, it was an interesting time. Honestly, I loved it. And I feel that while it ended, interestingly, mm-hmm. for the moment, and it's, I mean, the, the work that we're doing is technically suspended. It's not over. And who knows if this war lasts another week or another year. I don't think anyone can state conclusively they know. I thought I had a lot of knowledge about what was going to ensue when this all began. I've been proven wrong so many times that I've stopped attempting to guess Mm. at what happens next. Mm. So we're all just sitting and waiting in a holding pattern. At some point, presumably, this will end and we will all go back to what we were doing. Mm. But it's been a great place for the last couple of years because by and large, it has averted the unbelievably crushing weight of COVID edicts that spread throughout primarily Western countries and Far Eastern countries. So while most of the states in the United States were almost entirely locked down, while all restaurants were closed, while businesses were collapsing left and right, while nobody was allowed to attend school, while you had to wear masks in some states, even outdoors, even by Mm -hmm. yourself, in Ukraine, by and large, we avoided all of that. Hmm. Perhaps part of it has to do with the fact that it's not EU, so when one EU state said jump, all the others had to say how high. Mm-hmm. And Ukraine said, we don't speak French, so whatever you're saying, we don't care. Okay. Maybe it's because since it's not EU, travel into Ukraine is a little bit more difficult for people from the EU. They can't just drive across the border, so there was less tourism, so maybe it spread less. Mm-hmm. But for the vast majority of my time there, Ukrainian life remained pretty much normal, pretty much free. Mm-hmm. Things stayed open. Everybody was out in the streets. So you had to put on a mask to ride the bus. Half the people did, half the people didn't, but officially you had to. Is that because it's a government bus? Because it's a government bus. Or on a train, you had to wear a mask, but then they said if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, and then they changed it. But even at its worst, the COVID-related issues that people were dealing with in all of the Western world 
barely existed relative to the United States or to the UK, to Israel, to anywhere in the EU, to any of the Eastern countries like Korea or China. It was a very free life mm-hmm. for two years. Mm-hmm. And I more than once I found myself thinking, wow, I just went and visited everyone in the United States. And outside of states like New Hampshire, South Dakota, Wyoming, and Florida, I ran into so many problems and everyone wants to see my vaccine card and this and that. And then I go back to Ukraine. As soon as I walk out of the airport, it's life as usual. Wow. And it was funny to me that I'm in a country that sits right around the median income in terms of the world. To the Western world, Ukraine's a relatively poor state. Mm -hmm. Globally, it's almost exactly in the middle. But coming from the United States, it's a relatively poor country. Sure. It's a post-Soviet country. It's a country that's existed within its current borders for less time than I've been alive. And I come from the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yeah. Where there's no freedom. And here I am in Ukraine having a pizza two blocks from my house and life is normal. My friends are telling me they haven't. One friend told me she had not left her apartment in Seattle in 56 days. Unbelievable. And I just, I couldn't understand that. I don't understand how people can I hadn't stayed home a single day. Yeah. I didn't get it. (laughs) So Ukraine was actually a great place to live for the last couple of years until all the fire and explosions. God. That's ins- that's absolutely insane. I mean, it, we, it wasn't terrible in New Hampshire, but I was shocked at how restrictive some things were in New Hampshire I, or how the people were going along with it, I guess is what I'm saying. Because, you know, it, like you say, the government goons can say whatever they want. If the people don't go along with it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, Dictator Sununu was pretty bad. He was – I don't know if he was, you know, he wasn't the worst of all the governors now called dictators because mm-hmm. he shut down the legislature. And if you're a governor – and you shut down the legislature for 16 months due to an, a state of emergency, mm-hmm. and you say, we don't need legislators to pass legislation. By the way, it's the same root word. I don't know if you knew this. Legislation is the, the same root word as legislator. I have and no idea. Yeah, it's, I don't speak French. No one knows this, actually. <laughs> legislators are supposed to write legislation. Uh-huh. But nowadays, we have dictators and agencies and courts writing legislation. So he shut it down for 16 months and passed, yeah. I think, 86 ex- executive orders. And he... A lot of people uh, went along with it as well. So it wasn't just a dictator. It was you know police enforcing it and a lot of people going along with it. But again, the propaganda from the U.S. government, CNN, Lord Fauci and Saki and all the others and government schools and other media. And that's why a lot of people did fall for it. Although every day we're seeing more people wake up to it. Yeah. Um, well, it seems like it's all disappearing, thankfully, for the moment, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to bring it back into play as soon as some new variant comes out. I heard out. there's a new variant. Right. There's always, there's always a new the variant. New one. Uh, whether or not they're going to be able to, you know, again, get as many people on board this time around, because I did see something about in the United States, apparently, I don't know if it was like half of the people who've been vaccinated or fully vaccinated are not getting the booster. So there's a there's a large drop off, like a cliff, basically, of people who have just said, I've had enough. I'm not going any further uh, with this stuff. So there there may be a, a real uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but uh, a point at which, you know, there's a significant I don't know if it's a majority, but a significant chunk of the population is they're fed up. And they're not going to keep getting pushed around on this. But we'll see. Uh, The number here, if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160. Now, y'all were disagreeing about a pretty important topic. (laughs) The most important. And I'm going to bring that back up uh, coming up here in a moment. Poke the bear. Poke the bear. I feel like we've uh, we've covered the Ukraine thing pretty pretty good here. Uh, And if you, again, if you want to comment, you want to join us, 603-283-6160. You're welcome to. If you've got a question for Laser, like I said, he's been there for the last couple of years, so he knows a lot more than the average person, certainly more so than the mainstream media. Uh, does 
And coming up, we're going to talk about independence because that's ultimately what was at play, supposedly, in Ukraine is uh, some areas, some people declared independence from Ukraine. Ukrainian government doesn't want to recognize that, so they apparently have been bombing them. Now, uh, apparently, some of the people in the Donbass areas have been shooting back. And so can independence happen? Can secession happen without violence? And that's a question that uh, we can take a look at coming up here in moments. Hour number two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here. You can bring up anything that you want to discuss. The phones are open at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. This is Laser. And Alu. Uh, Laser and Alu joining us from LibertyBlock.com. We spent the first hour talking a lot about Ukraine because Laser uh, spent the last couple of years there and uh, has, you know, uh, perspective. But you still don't really know what exactly is happening there because Nobody it's does. hard to really have any clue, even if you're actually on the ground. Uh, to know what's really going on. You can't trust the Russian government. You certainly can't trust the Ukrainian government. And the Western media is just parroting whatever the Ukrainian uh, government says. So if you got a question about Ukraine or you know what it was like to live there, you can certainly answer those questions because you actually did live there. And you were saying it's surprisingly free by comparison during the COVID crackdowns compared to, say, most of the United States. Yeah, life was pretty good for a couple of years. Uh, so we're going to get into something that the the two of you guys disagree on, apparently, and that is... Something to do with secession, and I want to get into that, but first, Sarah's on the line, and she's in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I, mean, I have to get up the speaker. Um, yeah, our state legislature, um, they're debating right now whether to give us like about $300 per person or $600 a person state rebate to make up for the gas prices. And now hold on, we, Sarah. Before you go on, is this six hundred or three hundred dollars one time, like for the rest of the year, or will this be per month? What's the the deal? Well, it sounds like I think it's like a one 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 time deal um, with our mm-hmm. tax returns, but you have to file it. Uh, it right. Like so a, you guys have yeah. an income tax there. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so. Gotcha. Yeah, but with me, she thinks so. She's lived there her whole life, 
She's never no, worked a day it. in her life, so she actually has no idea whether or not there's an income tax in the state of, of New Mexico. Well, all, I, all I know is that I'm qualified for a $70 state rebate that I could claim, but it's so much like hassle that I just forgot. It. I mean, I just don't bother with it. And the hmm. same thing for this $300. By the time I get my printout, calling Social Security, run around, figure out where to go to get the free tax help. And I sit there for a whole hour waiting for this, um, for them to do my taxes. But And if I forget my bank number, my routing number, they make you go back and do it all over again. So I just learned it's not worth the money for the aggravation. You know, that's really interesting, Sarah, because I got to say that's uh, a perspective I didn't expect to hear from somebody who loves the idea of communism. And you just think the government should run everything, but yet here you are giving us a, a great example of how frustrating you find the government's process to simply get, you know, a 70 or a $300 rebate. I mean, why would you want this same government to be running everything from health care to providing you with food? Well, you know, I, I really believe that the government-run system would be run a lot more smoother. I mean, it's just... Why? The, the well, system you're I talking mean, about is a government-run system. The, the very system you just explained to us that you, who don't even have a job, so you could absolutely spend as much time navigating this paperwork stack or whatever, that uh, all the bureaucracy that you would need to, you've got plenty of time in which to do this, but even you are saying it's not worth your time to jump through all their ridiculous hoops, but yet you think it would somehow get better with more government? Well, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with a communist program. I mean, right now I'm getting Medicaid. I, I, I'm getting Social Security disability every month. And it was a pain in the butt to get on these things, the Social Security. I had to go to appointments, fill out an application. I actually had to have a social worker to help me fill it out because I could not do it myself. Because it's that complicated. Well, I mean, for somebody like me, it, I, it was frustrating for me. It was like 13 pages. I got really intimidated. Wow. So, but, and then I had but to But that go was to worth it to you because you get payments every month, right? Like it's ongoing. They're going to take care of you. So you jumped through those hoops. Well, I did it in the beginning. So I get $840 a month. But you know what? About 20 years ago, they used to jack everybody up once a year mm-hmm. and do a reevaluation. But what happens? They got a lawyer and then they put a stop to it for harassing people. <laughs> once you get a, yeah, they were, they were doing that. They, I would get called in. I, I was like so scared to make you see a psychiatrist and they would interrogate me. Why can't you work? Why can't you work? And they were doing this to everybody that was disabled. So now they can't so even they, ask you anymore. Now it's just once you're signed up, you're good for life, huh? Right, right. They don't Sweet. bother you. But see, this this $300, they make it so that, well, it's a way to, like, cheat you out of the people's money. They they make it so it's not worth your while, and they blame you. It's like, we have a Section 8. We have all this rebate. You just don't claim it because you're lazy. Because it's, it's not worth it for all the red tape and all the harassment that they make you go through by the time you do get the money. You spend, I spend, I would spend like two hundred dollars worth of aggravation and grief every year. And considering all you know, the aggravation and grief, you want this government to run not just this part of your life, but every part of everyone's <laughs> life. <laughs> Lisa, well, the did thing you? Is, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let go of this three hundred dollars, um, uh, you know, and the seventy dollars every every year that I could qualify for, and then they and then they claim there's. 
or thousands, tens of thousands of people that get could get free money and they don't take it. But we'll show you how to get it. Well, there's no such thing as so free it's money. A little gimmick. Um, so for Sarah, there is. Well, it's redistributed money from your neighbors and from us. And she doesn't really mind stealing. Laser, did you have a question for Sarah? I was just going to comment that that sounds like the entire taxation system, wherein they say you get all these rebates, but by the time you take six months off work to figure out how to fill out their documents that are intentionally impossible to fill. You've lost a lot more money than the money that they would give back to you that they already stole from you the first time. So are you talking about the unemployment? That's how they do it. They, the unemployment, they treat you like you're a welfare recipient. They aggravate you. Well, I would contend you. that by definition, unemployment is a form of welfare. Yeah, but it? you know what? You earned it. You paid into the system. I mean, that's one where you do pay it. into it, right? Like, I've never taken it. I've never looked at it. Well, to some extent, we all pay into extent, every tax Let's system. say you yeah. paid in... $5,000. Well, after the first $5,000 of unemployment you claim, well, then I paid into it for you. Can you get more than what you paid in? Is that a thing? I unemployment? don't know. They have it. no idea how I much you so. paid in. I think so. I think it's not sure. really like a, a, a thing you pay in for and you get. Like yeah, a, I, but I think it's like a tax. Like mm, it is. Okay, payroll tax and then you get. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Uh, so you love the government, but you don't like their paperwork. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, I'm thinking about is in this case, it's too piddly. If they, if they enticed me with a six hundred dollar, you didn't I might answer my question. It. I understand the money is what you're really focused on here, because you you know you just want to get more money from the state. Um, but I just want to clarify: you really love all these government programs, but you don't like all the paperwork, right? No, I I, I don't like the okay. paperwork. No, they aggravate you. Nothing's for free. Believe me. You know when that's they say true. That's no true. such thing as a free lunch. No, they harass you. They make you work for it, believe it or not. Yeah, Sarah, this, I have you, a question you for you. You would never know that. Yeah, go ahead. This is Alu. Yeah, nice to meet you. I, I listen to you every night on Free Talk Live. It's great to talk to you live now. Um, I actually love New Mexico. My little brother lived there. I, I love New Mexico. I lived there so, a short while as well. Yeah, I have a, a question for you. A lot of the, the aggravation, and I, I do agree it, it is aggravating, a lot of what you're dealing with is actually because of the federal government, because of D.C. politicians, these horrible guys like uh, Trump and McConnell. If New Mexico were independent from the union, all of this would be done through your capital, which – what is that, Santa Fe? So all of this would be done through your state government, which would be a lot closer to home and more accountable. So do you support state independence for New Mexico? It would make your life a lot easier, just less less aggravation and paperwork. Yeah, I think that's not important because of, uh, <laughs> um, each state has a lot of their autonomy. You know, our state lets the criminals run wild, and uh, we're so kind to the homeless people and panhandlers. So each state does their own little thing. Well, well she gets money but, but, from the feds. Yeah. So. I, also, I mean, having lived in New Mexico for a short while, I learned a few things, such as that Albuquerque is the Grand Theft Auto capital of the United States of America. Really? It is one of the highest violent crime cities in the United States of America. New Mexico's education system ranks 51st Oof. in the well, United is States. Is it Sarah America. or someone else? There's a caller who says one of Mexico's the poorest states in the United States of America. New Mexico has a, a lot of improvement to do on literally all of the so things. So 51st, does that mean it's worse than D.C.? Yes, sir. Jeez. Thanks, Sarah, for the call tonight. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Well, it's not just New Mexico uh, that's talking about giving people money for gasoline. Now they're talking about a national monthly stimulus check for that very reason. Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. You can join us, 603-283-6160. It's Ian and a couple of the guys from LibertyBlock.com. We've got hey. Laser and Alu in the studio here tonight. 
Uh, so there's lots of stuff in the news that we could talk about, and I I do want to get into the secession topic. But since Sarah brought it up, and she's actually gotten pretty good at bringing up issues. She used to only talk about like pedestrian related stuff in in uh, Albuquerque, and now she kind of talks about quite a variety. So since she brought this one up, I've had this one sitting in uh, show prep for a couple of days. The story from Fox5NY.com, where everybody knows the price of gas is up. Los Angeles on Tuesday became the first major city in the U.S. to reach an average gas price of over $6. I really wish you hadn't even said that out loud. My insides hurt. (laughs) Well, at least we don't live in Los Angeles. There's a lot of reasons not to live there, but... Uh, that's according to Gas Buddy, which reported the national average gas price has, you know, it's over $4 right now, uh, wherever it is in the U.S. And according to a proposal from representatives, whoever from Connecticut and California and Illinois, they are looking to give Americans $100 a month. Yeah, free money. I would like to point out several things. Uh, one, I think let's all be shocked together that these representatives are from Connecticut, California, and, and Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> uh, two, I literally filled up my truck about an hour and a half before coming on this show tonight. Okay. It cost me $120. For how many gallons? A lot. <laughs> 30 gallons. It was a, a little gallons. under 30 gallons. I have 35 gallons. Okay. But I literally found the cheapest gas station within three states. I drove my truck down to about, I don't know, after it said I had 16 miles left in there, uh-huh. it just said, your fuel is low. So I drove it dry to drive through several states to arrive at the cheapest gas station between Southern Maryland and the middle of New Hampshire, and it still cost me a hundred. He drove halfway to Florida today to look for gas. I drove five hundred fifty miles <laughs> today, <in> Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> but since Maryland, the cheapest gas station was near Hookset, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So I drove all the way there and saved about thirty dollars ish on my tank. Uh, no, uh, about fourteen dollars on my tank, and it still cost me one hundred twenty dollars. So unless you drive a go kart or one of mm-hmm. those two hundred dollar Barbie cars from Walmart. I'm not sure just how effective $100 a month is going to be for Why do you got to bring up my car? when? I- hey, the Barbie cars are sweet. You know what it costs <laughs> to get that paint job on my truck? Like $4,000. So uh, they're talking about an, what they're calling a quote-unquote energy rebate of $100 per month and $100 for each dependent, apparently, for the rest of 2022 in any month where the national average gas prices exceed $4 per gallon. And I expect that's probably going to be for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least. I love it. I, I say I'm all for it. Let's go, Brandon. And let's go um, <laughs> accelerationism and give out more free money. You're but saying there's... let the printing presses go as yep. high as yep. possible. Yep. I just really like the part where most Americans who have 13 kids don't really even own a car. So let's give them $1,300 a month. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that's right. They wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah I think not, this will just you know more inflation. Let's keep printing it. Let's go thirty trillion in debt. We'll be forty trillion in debt in a few months, maybe. Um, you know, it's going to be ten trillion every few months, and the DC empire and the US dollar will collapse. And that's another reason, by the way, I'm optimistic about independence. In that, and we all agree, once the DC empire collapses because the dollar collapses and the petrodollar, and now some countries might accept things besides the dollar, like maybe yuan or other mm-hmm. stuff or other forms of currency. They're I'm not the greatest expert it. in, but once that happens, the US dollar plummets in demand. And then, you know, there's less demand and less value of the dollar. And then the DC empire collapses because they can't pay their own defense contractors and military and billion dollar bombs oh, and it's a trillion dollar F35. Thought. Yep. They, they and then, then we'd be independent once they collapse. So that's another good thing. 
No doubt. And we're going to get into that as well. By the way, the number is 603-283-6160. But here's the uh, statement from which representative is this? Uh, Thompson, whoever the hell that is. Thompson from California. He said, Americans are feeling the impact at the pump of Vladimir Putin's illegal invasion of Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) And right now we must work together on common sense policy solutions to ease the financial burden that my constituents are feeling. He said, so, "I love that they they can blame everything on Putin now. Yeah, you know, very um, very convenient. Yeah, even though they they first came in when were the first rockets fired three four weeks ago three four five weeks something like that twenty fourth yeah, yeah a month yeah so a month and and they even things inflation was an issue in the United States you know since nineteen thirteen but but especially <laughs> last last few months last year inflation's been out of control obviously you know and a few months ago even they announced you know they announced it's like seven point nine percent annually which it's probably higher it's probably 10, oh, yeah. 15, 20, 30 percent." Um, but they blame it on Putin, even though, you know, them invading Ukraine and now there's a bit of issues with Russia, with, you know, oil from Russia or Ukraine. That's true. But the great thing about them saying we're going to protect you from from Putin is it's the opposite. What the federal government is doing with sanctions and, and you know, making it harder for international trade is hurting Russian citizens, hurting American citizens, sure is. driving up the cost of all the products that now can't get here because of corona fascism. There were there were supply chain issues and things were more expensive. There are plenty of things we just couldn't get because of corona fascism, because let's go. Brandon had, you know, how many hundreds or thousands of ships off the coast of California couldn't mm-hmm. dock and unload. So there were supply chain issues. But now because still are, of, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But because of even more sanctions on these countries, on Russia, which produces plenty of things and now just hampers international trade and now it makes things more expensive for us. So when they say we're going to punish Putin, they're not. Putin is fine. I'm sure he's well fed. But they're sure hurting is. innocent Russian people with sanctions, like, like you were talking about on Free Talk Live a lot. And her, sanctions just hurt people, you know, the, the consumer and the producers because they can't get the money and we can't get the products. So the sanctions are hurting the people. So this yep. guy Thompson, screw him. He's hurting the people with his sanctions in the federal government. Oh, but they're going to love him because he's cutting him a check. Now it hasn't passed. It's just a proposal right now. But I mean, I don't see any reason why this won't pass. Right. Every other uh, giveaway in the last two years, all this quote unquote stimulus checks, they didn't have much opposition, did they? It was a bipartisan effort. Remember, the first stimulus checks came out under Trump. This wasn't some sort of Democrat program. I got comments on comments. So, one, this is totally going to pass, whether in this form or some other. I think we've learned over the last two years that if it's any sort of vague proposal to rain money from the skies and print it, they're going to do it. Bold prediction. Thomas Massey will be the only no vote and he'll get destroyed for I him. will totally second your bold <laughs> prediction mm-hmm. because God bless that man and his off-the-grid home in the hills that he built with his bare hands because somebody in this country has to work hard and still succeed. <laughs> so I, I hate to say it as someone who grew up a very patriotic American, but very early on, before this whole war actually broke out, back in early January... When things slowly started to ramp and there was talk and there was talk and I sat down and I like to consider myself a relatively intelligent human being who's relatively well versed in the history of war, especially in the last 200 years. And every conclusion I arrived at was that the only real winner if Ukraine and Russia go to all out war is probably the United States. And much of the reasoning is because of what you just said, which is that. Our economy was sliding, and by sliding, I mean it was free-falling off an endless cliff. Mm-hmm. And at some point or another, as has happened throughout history, when any economy falls and keeps falling and keeps falling and keeps falling, and wealth disappears, and people's livelihoods disappear, and their businesses collapse, and you take everything they've saved, eventually the people have had enough, and Marie Antoinette loses her head when she says, let them eat cake. And the only way out of that 
is to make a bigger bad guy. A boogeyman. A boogeyman. Mm-hmm. If you have the, the new bo- Hitler. That's right. The new mm-hmm. Hitler. Well, plenty of analysts have been saying this. I think conservatives, libertarians, centrists have been yeah. saying, after Corona fascism wanes, after two years we're sick of it, you know, they're going to have some big war for us to focus Here on. It is. You need it. You need right the boogeyman. Cue. Blame him. The number is 603-283-6160. You can join the show and share your thoughts. The $100 check might be coming soon from the federal government. Eventually, they're probably going to force you to take their central bank <laughs> digital currency, but they're not ready for that yet. Uh, we got more on the way, though. You can share your thoughts. Also, we'll talk about secession coming up. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, forkfest.party. You can also connect with other attendees on the Forkfest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the Forkfest Forum. You can find links to those at forkfest.party. We hope to see you there. Forkfest.party. It is Free Talk Live, and you're invited if you want to join the program here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio here tonight, you've got me, Ian. I'm Laser. And Alu. Laser and Alu joining us from libertyblock.com. Be sure you check out their website. We're going to go back into your phone calls and thoughts. Also, I do want to let you know about our Odyssey channel. We are streaming live there every single night and video archives (laughs) are available anytime you want them over at video.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find our channel, and we sure would appreciate it if you follow, a.k.a. subscribe to the channel there over at video.freetalklive.com. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. Chris is on the line in Arizona listening to K-Talks. Hello, Chris. Chris? Arizona? Oh, man, he was there. Chris going once. Chris going twice. He was on a, a cell phone, so I'm going to put him back on hold. Maybe he was just in a bad cell, and hopefully we will get him back. He was fired up about Sarah, so I definitely want to hear. <laughs> I definitely want to hear what he has to say. We'll get back to that. Uh, but in uh, related news to this story about a potential hundred dollar per month stipend being cut to, I guess everyone in America, uh, presuming this thing passes, and Laser, your prediction is this is going to pass. I mean, if we passed a three point whatever trillion dollar bill, and then another, and then another, what's another? Yeah, million, billion, trillion. Who cares? Exactly. Uh, they just turn. They've got the printing presses on full bore uh, at this point, so you know it doesn't matter to them. And a hundred bucks a month is, you know, pennies basically compared to what they're giving away to the corporation. So yep. whatever. Uh, but uh, then there's another story here. Uh, the same same story by Fox5ny.com. But the second portion, a representative Peter DeFazio of Oregon has proposed the Stop Gas Price Gouging Tax and Rebate Act. 
The bill would, quote, create a windfall profit tax on excessive corporate profits and return revenue to American consumers in the form of a tax rebate. DeFazio said, big oil's foaming at the mouth. After price gouging Americans in 2021 to make record profits, big oil is now reaping the benefits of Vladimir Putin's price hike. My legislation would tax their excess profits in 2022 and return the revenue back to Americans. It's time to put people over profits, period, he says. As a clinician, I just want to point out that psychosis is a real thing, and his reality is clearly not the so one he's the a communist, and, and there was actually a similar bill proposed by <laughs> communists in New Hampshire uh, a year or two ago. I wrote an article about it for Liberty Block, not only a year ago. In February of 2021, we published an article on libertyblock.com titled Disturbing Socialist SB 138, Senate Bill 138, attacks the free market. I think this was the one that pretty much said anytime there's market disruption, which means anything in the world, uh, I'm sure Corona fascism is market disruption, anything that's somewhat essential, which they, they kind of list like pretty much every product in the world mm-hmm. from toilet paper to uh, Band-Aids and everything else. If there's excessive profiting, like if you increase it by 5% or more, then it'll be a crime. So so th- I love how they say excessive profits because profit means- Who decides? It, yeah. <laughs> I also I mean, like how they spend two amazing. years burning every company and business to the ground, but then when people try to make up for the fact that they've had two years of insanely negative net income, now it's price gouging. Yeah, the bill would make it illegal for, for anyone to sell any any uh, essential item at more than 15% what the baseline cost was. So if something increases 15% over the span of, I don't know, a month or a year. But again, inflation alone is probably 10, 15, 20, 30%. Well, what are we at now? Technically, officially, it's they 7%? Percent. 7.9%, 8%? I think, was the consumer product, whatever the hell they call it, index that happened uh, for the month of February. Right. The wholesale price index hit 10%. Jeez. So that's like double digits uh, for the first time in 40 years. I think the first time in actually the history of the produ- producer price index being calculated. What about real estate? At. Is it up like 20, 30%? Quite a bit. Who knows? It depends on where you are. So you can't really just say real estate because it's different in Chicago yeah. as it is in New Hampshire, as it is in Jacksonville. But we just talked about this the other night. Actually, again, credit to Sarah for bringing the, the, you, uh, the topic up. Uh, but there was a story on 60 Minutes where they had interviewed real estate agents and uh, and people who own houses that are renting. Rents in a lot of cities have gone up 30 to 40% in the last year. So the people who are in a year-long lease, when it's time for them to renew their lease, their uh, landlords are coming to them saying, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to pay me 40% more. And he can't make 40% because that guy, Mr. Smith, who's leasing, and it just went up 30%, can't sell his products at his convenience store down the block for more than 15% more mm-hmm. because these goons, you know, it didn't pass in New Hampshire, but there's this federal bill and all that. Oh, yeah. If this were the law, pass. men I'll with also, guns would come to punish them. I want to point out that there was that whole rent freeze movement slash you don't have to pay thing by the federal government during COVID. For a long time. For yeah. a very long time. And on top of all of that, I think that this means we're in the pipeline for an amazing stimulus bill called the You Deserve a Roof Stimulus. <laughs> and that'll be at least $1,000 a month for every individual over the age of cat. Well, so, UBI is going to happen. Um, it's inevitable now. Mm. In a year or two, we're going to have a UBI in the United States. I mean, we almost already do. They just like to break it into 11 different parts and exactly. call it, this is for your shoes, this yeah, is for your Yeah, and school, it got so crazy that Andrew Yang said, let's get rid of everything and have a UBI. And I'm like, you know what? You're so socialist, but we're so already communist. You're right. I agree with you. In fairness, if we could have a UBI and get rid of his everything else. simplifies it. We have yep. 22 different things that comprise would save, a UBI. You would save billions <laughs> just on administrative costs. He's right. Because it would get rid of welfare programs. Yep. Which presumes that they would get rid of all those programs. Well, what he 
said what, what Yang was saying when he was running in the primary is my plan would be to get rid of everything and just have UBI. Yeah, but his plan wouldn't necessarily be what they pass. Definitely well, not. listen, Ian, in Congress, things <laughs> yeah. happen to a bill and there's input and in the sure. bill, it'll be 3,000 pages. And, and you know who's going to be giving input? things would be in there. You know who's going to be giving input? The people who work in the welfare offices that would be proposed to be shut down because of this. All of those That's bureaucrats true. are going to oh, come certainly. in there and say, whoa, 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 our jobs. We got unions here. By Plus, the time the bill gets passed, it's like, wait, there's $87 billion going to Iran? How is this in the bill? Yeah, geez, it was in the I'm American mostly focused Act. on the $143 million going for a study from Stanford University on what happens if you feed the cracker goldfish to the fish goldfish. So I think something you're going to see later this year once the uh, midterm elections start heating up and candidates start taking positions on things is you're going to see a lot of this talk like this this last bill that I talked about where they're they're talking about taxing big oil or going after the corporate profits right because remember before Putin was the the go-to bad guy for oh it's well it's all his fault they were saying oh it's the corporations they're the ones causing inflation cuz they're raising prices <laughs> And it's, the corporations bailed out by the federal government for the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And they're just so greedy. Well, here's uh, th- this narrative is still in play. Okay, so commondreams.org, which is a leftist, hard leftist uh, blog site, Jake Johnson reports on a survey uh, that shows, let's see here. Friday, it was released by the advocacy group Fight Corporate Monopolies. They took a poll. And they showed that 82% of registered U.S. voters blame big companies for at least some of the recent inflation spike and want elected officials to, quote, take on powerful CEOs and rein in corporate greed to lower prices. It's almost like propaganda works, Ian. It is. And so this, uh, so I think you're going to see this fall, you're going to see a lot of promises from politicians about how they're going to target the corporations, they're going to make them pay, maybe price controls are going to be thrown out there as a potential solution to this, which of course is just begging for t- even quicker economic disaster and destruction of small businesses. And, you know, because obviously a mom and pop business is going to get hurt the hardest by things like price controls. And I, I just think that's what you're going to see. Yep. Well, it's communism. I mean, price controls, it's really right there with communism, socialism, authoritarianism. Yeah, like the government tells you what you can sell things for. Just wait. I mean, it's very easy to control the price when it all costs one ticket and you wait in line for your stale bread. <laughs> well, you know what Bernie Sanders said about bread lines? I think he said it was good. You know, it's, it's organized and people get bread and it's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fairness to Bernie Sanders, he predates bread. So oh, I get hey, it. Did you know Bernie Sanders was interviewed for this? The co- He's a co-sponsor. <laughs> He's a co-sponsor. Everyone of, deserves bread and a roof over their head. What is this legislation they're even talking about? I don't even know. But there's some sort of legislation, I guess, involved here already. Uh, I'm not really clear on what it is, but he says last year oil and gas companies made $174 billion in profits. This year they're on track to make more. He read that news from his vacation home, number four. Yeah. Uh, the number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. The sad news is Americans are completely ignorant about what inflation is and how it happens. There's more on the way here. This is Free Talk Live. That's why we need independence. Coming up. It is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want to talk about. And just dial in here to do it, 603-283-6160. 
That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, you've got Ian. I'm Laser. And Alu. Uh, those guys, Laser and Alu, joining us from LibertyBlock.com. Be sure to check them out over there. They have uh, a podcast and various different articles. I don't know how many you're doing per, per week, Alu, but I don't know how you do anything else. <laughs> He's got like a full-time job. He's got, I don't know, five articles per week or something that he's cranking out over there. At oh, Liberty who does Block. more? He's giving Carpal Tunnel a run for its money. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Uh, check them out. So we're going to get into the discussion that you guys were having as you walked in the front door here at the studio tonight. <laughs> uh, there was just this cacophony of noise out on the front porch because you guys were just arguing about secession and not so much about whether or not secession can happen, but whether or not it can happen Without violence, am I? I don't want to misrepresent your position. No, you position nailed it. Uh, to be clear, we we both firmly believe in the smallest possible form of organization and or government, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is. The mm-hmm. smaller it is, the better it is. So, like the individual would be the optimal one. If I could be my own government, I promise I would treat me well. Okay, <laughs> and if you don't, then it's you. So, do do you how and, you and want? And to be right? even more clear, we we both agree with independence. We've both supported independence. Since and is it true years, that Laser recruited you into the idea of independence? I don't know. I, I mean, he he in a I lot of ways, in a lot of ways, he you know being a year and a half older, he was first to the liberty movement before i was when he when i was you know 18 he was 19 and a half okay and he when he turned 18 he registered as libertarian party oh, wow. so he was already understood enough to know what the two parties where sucked. was this in connecticut this, this is was back in new york when we lived oh, in new york, new york. where your and libertarian vote means exactly nothing about as much as a republican vote so, <laughs> so and i was still you know 18 i was yeah. in high school playing football and um i started to pay attention more i was an average conservative you know i voted for my dad said vote for the republicans i voted for a republican i knew the basics of free markets and, and gun mm-hmm. rights and all that um, I respected my police and all that. And um, as I followed the primaries in 2016, the primaries, I started thinking Rand Paul, Ted Cruz saying some things that make sense. Um, then I grew to like Rand Paul a lot more. Obviously, he was saying liberty things. And I started learning more. But Laser was still kind of already voluntarist, identified as, as anarchist, I think, when he was 18, 19 years old. Um, That's me. Then over the last few few years, as I became more libertarian, I, I thought independence was a no-brainer. So no one ever had to really convince me, I don't think. Mm, but we okay. both supported liberty and independence forever. And, and to be clear, what we were arguing about, and I know we were we were pretty intense. I, I'm sure we woke up the whole team <laughs> and possibly half of Vermont because um, when we argue, we're you know passionate and we both agree with independence that it should happen and it's the right thing to happen. And the D.C. empire sucks and has to go. Mm-hmm. But he was saying it, it, if it happens, the U.S. government will kill us. It can't happen peacefully. We want it to be peaceful, like we said in our amendment, but they will not let us go. They will rather kill us. And I was saying I'm not so sure. Maybe. Maybe they wouldn't kill us. Um, you know, let's declare independence. If they kill us, it's on them. But I don't think they would. But if they do, we'll die peacefully. We just want to leave. The right to be left alone. So that was the argument. He thinks we both agree with it. He thinks they'll kill us if we leave. And I, I'm hoping. And I, how I'm many people do you won't. think they're going to kill? Are they going to drop a nuclear weapon on New Hampshire? Or are they going to just go in and target the leadership? What do you think that they're going to do? If I were to draw upon history, both in the United States and around the world, for practically all of well documented history. I would say they will start with the leaders, but if push comes to shove, they would sooner see every single life extinguished than lose a piece of land over which they currently have a stranglehold. No matter how terrible of a PR move that would be, I mean, that is, they would lose so much legitimacy in the eyes of the rest of the population of the United States, don't you think? You don't for think so? For one generation. And my, my evidence for this in the United States is as the reason that I wound up the small L libertarian because I don't even really affiliate with the party. I have only ever been registered to vote as a libertarian. Mm-hmm. 
I call it what you want, put whatever labels on it, whether it's an anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist, small libertarian. I simply believe you do you, I do me. Don't punch me. I won't punch you. Don't touch my wallet, and I don't care what you do. Now, in the United States, as I got into all of this when I was in high school, I was 14 to 15 years old, and I began to really, really spend time studying the foundation of the United States up until about the year 1900. And the entire United States completely changed in the 1860s. That war, which I refuse to call the Civil War, Mm -hmm. it has many names. It's called the Civil War, obviously. It's in some parts of the South, the War of Northern Aggression. I could go either way. My favorite name is very simply Lincoln's War. There you go. Because this was a war by one man for his entirely egotistical purposes. This was Lincoln's War. Lincoln made it very clear well along the campaign trail. To be clear, and I won't digress too much, but in the very, very brief period during which Lincoln was an elected politician in the state of Illinois, Abraham Lincoln, if you follow his voting record, was not of the opinion that black people should be allowed to own land or have any rights whatsoever. You don't even have to follow his voting record. He talked about it. He did. In his inauguration speech, when he won the presidency, he stated not only that he has no interest in ending slavery— But furthermore, that even if he did, he doesn't have the power. Wow. Until, of course, the Gettysburg Address, when, you know, it was a great PR move that had no effect because he didn't control the areas in which it still existed. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to condone slavery. It's an awful, awful institution, and it's horrific. However, it was slowly on the way out. It probably would have lasted but probably we didn't need to kill 725 to 800,000 people. No, the rest of the world got rid of slavery without exactly. a war. Exactly, and we didn't. And to be clear, Abraham Lincoln only jumped on that train when he realized it was the only way he could recruit people into the war. In the mm-hmm. early war, Abraham Lincoln, so a, a very, very, very quick review of it all, Abraham Lincoln gets elected president. He says a lot of stuff. South Carolina says, absolutely not. We told you we were going to leave. We're out. The South Carolina legislature votes formally and properly that they are simply out. Other states begin to follow over the course of the subsequent months. More states followed. Two states were wound up split, Kentucky and Maryland. The reason the Maryland flag looks so unique is that it's actually the Crossland and Calvert banners. And the South fought under one of those and the North fought under the other. And after the war, when Maryland reconciled, They simply put them together, and that's why the Maryland flag looks like no other flag in the United States. Hmm. Uh, Because Maryland was a split state, it tried to secede. Lincoln swept in and started arresting judges and politicians, the ones who he couldn't get escaped, and therefore they could never formally vote to secede, but they tried. And they they in Kentucky had people fighting on both sides of the war. Obviously, Virginia initially, and then they split into Virginia and West Virginia, which was a southern state and a northern state. But— In the early going, Lincoln had practically zero support for his war. He didn't. And you can still dig up northern newspapers from New York, from Philadelphia, from Boston, from all the northern states and cities, and nobody supported Lincoln's war. What Lincoln essentially did is blockade South Carolina, which most countries have always recognized as an act of war because Mm -hmm. you destroy the economy. He blockaded South Carolina. South Carolina said, you're in our waters now. We are no longer a part of you. Please leave. He said, no. They said, you need to leave. He said, no. They said, well, we'll shoot you. And he said, well, I'm not going anywhere. So eventually they fired on Fort Sumter, Mm. at which point Lincoln turned around and went, oh, no, they fired at us. Mm -hmm. They started a war. Well, you're in their waters. He had no support. There were newspapers that saw this coming. There were journalists and editors that saw this coming. There were politicians that saw this coming. 
they said it, he promptly sent them to an island prison off the city of New York <laughs> without any due process whatsoever because he suspended habeas corpus. Mm. It's nice to be the king. Yeah. And and that was simply that. And he had no support, and yet he made the war anyway. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the war, he changed the narrative. He He was clear in speech after speech, letter after letter. The war was about, and I quote, preservation of the Union. Yep. Always was. That's what the war was. Lincoln didn't care about slaves. Lincoln didn't care about race. Lincoln didn't care about it. He cared about not being the guy who goes down in history under which he lost half the land he was elected to reign supreme over. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's what any leader anywhere in the world, anywhere in history, really cares about when it comes to dissatisfaction amongst their citizens and any sort of effort to leave it. And beyond the United States, where obviously it ended in the single bloodiest war, not just the bloodiest war, but that war killed more people than every single other war from the Revolutionary War till today combined. The Nazis couldn't kill more than 65% of the people that Abraham Lincoln could. There's your perspective. Now, if you look at everywhere else in the world, it's kind of been the same thing. Northern Ireland has been fighting for their independence forever. England is simply not going to have it. Mm Mm-hmm. The Basque in northern Spain have been an independent kingdom. Their language is the only extant language in its entire family, and there is nothing related to it in the last 1,500 years at least. Is this Catalonia? This is the Basque. I don't know, the different areas of Spain. So there are several different areas. Galicia was a kingdom. The Basque had their own kingdom. Spain is very, very split. Now, a lot of the Basque were fighting for independence and are still some of their groups and some of their people are considered terrorists by the Spanish government. Mm. The Basque literally, their DNA branches off 2,000 years ago. And yet Spain still says, no, you're Spain. Part of us. Right. But I know there was an independence movement in Catalonia, so that's not the same group. That's a different Different group. group. There there are several groups in Spain that had kingdoms and wanted them back. And and Madrid got very violent with the Catalonian. Of course uh, they did. Independence as well. There's no doubt. Uh, 603-283-6160. But can it be done differently this time? Alu thinks it can. And we're going to dig in deeper here. Hour three's on the way. You can join us. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, kicking off third hour here. You can join us. Phones are open if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. Maybe you've got an opinion about independence. We're talking about the question of can it happen, can secession happen peacefully where the goons that you're seceding from don't actually drop a bomb on you or start shooting everybody. Uh, we're going to continue with that discussion here. With you tonight, you've got me, Ian. Laser and Alu. Laser and Alu joining us from LibertyBlock.com. Alu, you're a big advocate for independence here in New Hampshire. You're actually right now the president of the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence, which has been around for at least the last decade. I'm pretty sure it was formed somewhere around I think 2012, 20, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, they do great work. They do uh, outreach to inform the people of New Hampshire about independence. I have been for years an, an advocate of that organization. I've uh, got a bunch of flyers that I'll take around to various different places. I've been to the county fair, uh, handed people flyers there. I've been to, uh, there's usually like a baseball game that they have on Independence Eve. So the, usually like the 3rd of July, they'll have like a baseball game. I've been out handing out flyers there. Like basically wherever it is that I feel there could be a crowd of people that might be interested in thinking about new ideas or you know the, an idea that's time has come again, uh, which is independence i'll go do that thing in fact i've been to 
uh, let's see, I've been to the uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, movements. I've been to the, the right-wing stuff in the last two years due to COVID. I think there's an anti-war event coming up this weekend. This in Saturday Concord. evening, there's actually going to be um, two concurrent rallies, roughly the same time, both like 12 to 5 at the State House, I believe. One is an anti-war, um, an anti-World War Three nuclear war, because mm-hmm. that would be bad. So they're doing a protest for that, and also a Corona Fascism Medical Freedom protest. Oh, I didn't I know that was happening at the yeah, same time. Yeah, I think time. they're both happening Saturday in the State House, so I'll be there. Cool. I'm, I'm actually uh, hoping to go out there as well, and so I, sp- I imagine you and I will be uh, flyering the Excellent. crowd as, yeah, good, uh, as we normally do. And, uh, you know, my experience has been very positive when handing out these uh, these flyers. So I think the people of New Hampshire are way more interested than the politicians give them credit for. We just, for listeners that maybe are new to the show, we just finished with within a few weeks ago uh CACR 32 as they call it here which is the bill number for what is a constitutional amendment that if it had passed the state house and the state senate by 60% in each uh area then it would have ended up on the ballot this November and then it would have required two-thirds of the voters to vote for it in order for it to pass which would have then basically declared independence but peaceful independence for uh for New Hampshire sadly it didn't get through the state house it it went down pretty hard 323 to 13 was the vote and uh, you know a lot of the politicians are afraid they're afraid maybe of being bombed by the federal government but they're more, mostly they're afraid of what the people will think. They're afraid of voting for this thing because they don't think they're going to get reelected. I think that they are wrong. We're going to find out because 13 of them did vote for it. And so we'll, we'll see this November how many of the 13 run again because maybe they won't all run again. So of those that are running again, how many of them actually get reelected? That'll be a big indicator that we can show to the, the ones that wouldn't support this. But your position on this laser is that Okay, fine. You can convince the people, because you'd have to, right, in order for there to be a vote like this. You'd have to convince a lot of people. You can convince the people, fine, great. You can convince the politicians, okay, good for you. And you're going to go ahead and declare peaceful independence, fine. Well, then you think the federal government is going to come in with as much violence as they can can bring us, basically. I think there are steps before violence, but I think that there is no line they won't cross if they have to go that far. So, like, before violence would be... be... Absolute, utter, and complete trade embargoes. Nobody and nobody out of New Hampshire, unless you have an ID from another state or you swear fealty to the United States of America as opposed to the state of New Hampshire. And do you think the trade embargo would also include the port of New Hampshire where they would, would physically block everything, it? and I think there would be naval vessels sitting outside in the harbors. So one, a blockade is an act of war, so they're declaring war, and then, you know, we'll go to war. And I explained in Blueprint for Liberty how the United States military actually cannot win a war against New Hampshire. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't think they could. Um, all they could do is, is drop a massive nuclear bomb and kill New Hampshire and the whole East Coast and now, D.C. Now, so, yeah. w- what was your argument for why the you know the massive federal government with this huge military that lost in Afghanistan to a bunch of cave dwellers? Exactly. <laughs> why is it that they? Uh, why is it that they wouldn't be able to crush the people of New well, Hampshire? Well, put it this way: they lost in Afghanistan. We are like Afghanistan, but more well armed, possibly more organized, um, and. We Afghanistan are, may be better armed after the billions of dollars of weapons left true. there. By we only left them yeah. hundreds. The of advantage is that, is that if we say if they say we're terrorists, they're probably not going to give us weapons like they did with the Taliban. <laughs> but but we're also closer. So with Afghanistan, they could have done you know less targeted strikes. Whereas in New Hampshire, if they're going to do any military strike as far as um, ballistic, you know, a missile or a bomb, they really have to be targeted. So for instance, and who would they even bomb? The the leaders of the independence movement, mm-hmm. the people who are very active. 
Ian, Alu, Carla. Okay, they can bomb our me. houses. Yeah, they can bomb <laughs> our houses. Still, with, with because our movement's the most decentralized one maybe in existence, they mm. would have to kill, I don't know, like 5,000 different leaders with very targeted bombs. Uh, but even that, there would be collateral damage that would kill children. We know how right now the right, the left, center, everyone does not like the fact that we are bombing hospitals or collateral damage, killing kids in Yemen or, or Iraq or, or wherever, Afghanistan. So the collateral damage, especially for New Hampshire, and th- those are foreign, you know, they're foreign people, different world, different co- country, mm-hmm. not very similar. People who have cousins and neighbors. Everyone here has cousins and friends throughout the United States and family. Sure. If people in New Hampshire are being killed, whether they're, they're leaders in the movement or not or others, if they're being killed by bombs, if targeted strikes or, or wide um, big strikes, if they're being killed, there's no appetite for that in the United States. And like you said, and you were actually making my point, it, Lincoln did not have support for the war to kill Americans overall with propaganda and with force and you know deporting people or killing them or putting them in, in uh, prisons. He eventually killed those who didn't support him, so all that were left were supporters. And there's propaganda. Um, but now, while they have propaganda and even more media propaganda we also have more technology that can let me send a text on signal and it goes around the world to almost everyone in the world within three seconds so that's an advantage for us so again what i what you still didn't convince me in your opening statement was was why there would be an appetite and like you said when we first walked in when we were arguing you said 100 percent of people in the united states would support the u.s government killing everyone in new hampshire if they if they voted to secede peacefully no way well put it this way how much of america has drawn arms over whatever happened on january 6th and the fact that there are dozens and dozens of people still detained still in solitary confinement still being fed stale bread twice a day and walked for 30 minutes a day like a dog Mm -hmm. with rabies how many people in america have stormed the capital stormed their state capitals or done actually anything other That's than maybe yell about it. That's a completely different situation well, are, well, than no, I would, independence. I, but I would contend that... Well, what he's saying is that people won't rise up against the tyrannical government even if they do sickening things. That's probably true. Is, I'm saying that no, if, no, you're, if you're the right. government declares people as armed and dangerous, we know, treasonous okay. terrorists, We've gone that's over all this. the keywords. We, we know the that, keywords. The, how they'll spin it. If we leave peacefully, even if we say we're peaceful and we have a great press conference like mm, we had, the US government will spin it in the media saying these are right-wing, horrible terrorists, insurrectionists, and they voted to secede and because of Texas v. White or some B- BS, yeah. the, you know, it's it's, exactly. us, it's it's insurrection and rebellion. And like Lord Deshaies said, it's rebellion and violence, even though it's not. Exactly. And, and they'll spin us as terrorists. We know that. You could do We've it all in yoga pants, burning incense, but and they'll still, call you And, and they could say we're right-wing armed militia terrorists, but mm-hmm. still, I don't think, and you haven't proven, proven or convinced me, that 100% of people or even, you know, a big majority in the United States would support killing us for that. They might say, yeah, they're racist, right-wing, libertarian, free staters, but let them leave. Don't murder them all because there will be collateral damage they have kids they have neighbors and they themselves are just different than us not necessarily evil enough to warrant killing everyone in the state again now as far as an actual military war because you asked me they can either bomb us and kill everyone in new hampshire and kill you know the 30 percent who didn't vote for it like progressives who love biden seems and like a really bad pr massachusetts move. people it will be the worst pr move ever done by government history but or they can go door to door with soldiers and try to kill every single one of the 1. Mm-hmm. 1.4 million people in the state which considering that most of us have ars literally will not be successful that's so, going to be tough for them so, to do. So yeah. let me back this up, right? Everything is progressive. On day one of the war that we were discussing earlier, the strikes were airports and military facilities. On day Ukraine. two, it extended. On day three, it extended. When we went to Iraq, it was like, we're going to kill this one guy. Then we're going to blow up his house. Then we're going to blow up the village. Then we're going to send 700,000 troops and carpet bomb every inch of the country. But a key difference is 
going to, and I think you touched on this, Alu, is that those are other parts of the world. Yes. And while so we I, all might agree they're human beings and they, are, they all should be treated the same as human beings, we can empathize with them. A lot of the people in the United States look at them as foreigners. Right? Yeah, but, most people yes. are more nationalists. But they're not going to look at the people of New Hampshire in the same way. And so they may even have a difficult time finding enough soldiers who are willing to kill their own country. No I hope. When we come back, I have we'll, an answer for you. All right, good. We'll get into it coming up here. The number, I, I, I suspect there are soldiers who absolutely would do exactly what they were told. But what portion of them are they? Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian Laser and Alu in the studio here tonight. We're talking about independence and what would happen this time around. Because last time around, things got pretty ugly. There's no doubt about it. In fact, that's one of the major objections when you bring up independence. When you bring up secession, one of the major objections from average people is, well, didn't they decide that in the Civil War, or as you put it, Lincoln's War? It's Lincoln's War. So a lot of people believe this is a done deal. You cannot leave. It's a perpetual union, blah, 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 whether it's you know some court thing that they rely on or whether it's the, the war of northern aggression or whatever it is they rely on. They figure this is a closed case. It's done. They know the federal government's going to get violent. And I think that's probably the best argument uh, on your side, Laser, and in, in your side of this is you support independence, but you expect it's not going to go smoothly. It's going to be pretty ugly. It's going to get violent on the part of the federal the government gang. And I think that because people believe that to be true, it is likely to happen from that perspective, unless we can change people's minds about it. Because to some extent, what we believe becomes reality. And uh, so I think if we can get people to believe that peaceful independence is possible— then we get closer to it becoming a reality. But you are pretty negative about this, Laser. You really do believe that the federal government gang doesn't care how they look. They don't care how violent and how depraved and how just terrifying that they are. They will kill their own countrymen, the soldiers. This is the question I was asking before we went away there. Uh, like, What percentage of the military is actually willing to invade New Hampshire and start executing or kidnapping the peaceful secession activists here so i'm going to make several points one before we all go back to this debate i want to point out something that i think we can all agree on which is the contention that this is a perpetual union which was lincoln's claim and his justification ultimately for the war Mm -hmm. is there is simply no way inherently that there's any truth to this because by definition any contract signed by two or more parties is no longer valid if one party violates the terms of the contract Mm -hmm. and the constitution is the contract by which the United States of America was founded. There is no question about this. It is, it is a contractual document. It required ratification by 13 parties. Ultimately, it did not require 13 to go into effect. It required a supermajority, but ultimately 13 States ratified this contract. This is a contract. The federal government has responsibilities beyond responsibilities. It then has rights and beyond rights, it then has things that is explicitly forbidden from doing, such as violating anything laid out in the original Ten Amendments of the Bill of Rights, without which the Constitution would never have passed. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, huge deal breaker for numerous states. It's the entire reason the Federalist Papers exist, written by Hamilton Madison. 
because a lot of states were like, hey, we just left the giant union and we didn't like it so much. And that's why we all risked our lives and killed a bunch of dudes. And now we're free. We appreciate your help. We can be great neighbors. We're off. And then there was the push for a new United States. And without the Bill of Rights, it never would have happened. The Bill of Rights is not a Bill of Privileges. A Bill of Rights is simply a list of things that everyone foresaw the federal government eventually violating. And so they then saw fit to not only not include it as a right that the federal government has in the Constitution prior to the Bill of Rights, but they felt the need to explicitly enumerate that the federal government can never, ever step on these rights. And they did. Of course they did. Every (laughs) single one of them. Millions of times. Every single one of them. Right. Not a single one of them still exists, but that's the whole purpose of it. It's not privileges. These are inherent rights. That's right. And And they weren't granted to you by the document. document. As they consider it per the declaration, these were rights granted by the creator, whatever the exact You have them because you're a human being. Exactly. By by virtue of existing, these Mm -hmm. are rights. And of course, they don't exist. Now, as I understand contracts, and I'm no contract attorney, but as I understand contracts, if you and I sign a contract right now and you violate every single clause in the contract, either the contract is inherently void or I take you to court and not only is the contract void, but you're going to pay damages. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have a contract. 13 states initially and then others and the federal government, which is inherently intended to exist outside of the states as a third party have a contract. It's called the United States Constitution. It's been violated approximately 8 million, billion, trillion times every day by virtue of the existence of most federal laws. This is violated. Sure. And even furthermore, as far as the contract, it even goes a step further. It's not like I signed the contract between me and Uncle Sam and they violated it. Theoretically, the best argument says, well, your theoretical great-great-grandfather 240 years ago, he or a delegate acting on his behalf immorally... Um, somewhat representing him, in theory, signed it. Maybe. Yeah, well, how can they bind their exactly. successors? And so that, I, I just want to get that out of the way, and I think we all agree on that. The The argument piece of this is a perpetual contract is simply BS. There is no such thing as a perpetual contract, because if a contract is violated, it ends. Well, yeah, and we've uh, addressed this in the discussions that we've had here in New Hampshire in front of the State House, uh, where there's this character Brody Deshays, who is sort of the tool uh, that the state has been using to defend itself. And he brings up all these ridiculous objections. And, of course, I think you pointed this out, Alu, or somebody did it at one point. But you you look at the, their own so-called contract, you look at the Constitution, and it does not prohibit leaving. There's nothing in there. When the, was it Article 1, Section 10, I think? I think so. Uh, Daniel Miller, I think, reminded me of that. Yeah, it literally yeah. lists the things the states can't do. It says the states shall not coin their own money. The states shall not enter into right. a um, contract or whatever. And no state can be admitted into the union without Congress. Right. Yep. It does not. Not say states say are marginally leaving, and and the the founders who literally just seceded a few years prior knew very well what secession was. They knew about the concept. If yeah. they wanted it prohibited, they would right. have prohibited it in the Constitution. Any club is going to have rules for you to get in, but you can always leave if of you course. don't like the way the club's going. Of course, you know, unless you're an MS-13. But <laughs> yeah. And, so look, ultimately, Thomas Jefferson, widely considered the father of this country, Thomas Jefferson, in two separate letters, very explicitly, and on numerous other occasions, slightly more implicitly, clearly stated, one was after the War of 1812, and one was regarding the Louisiana Purchase, if I recall correctly, but he clearly stated, hey, a lot of states are disagreeing on a lot of things, 
I would rather see this entire project fall apart and everyone just go their separate ways than see the inevitable bloodshed if we continue down this road. Mm-hmm. He called so it. So he prophesied what Lincoln he would did. do in he the decision called he made. It because he knew it, because he built it, because he studied it, he lived it, he knew this, and he saw it coming and said, I would rather see this, This right, this was an experiment, cool experiment, never been quite been done before to this extent, and he fathered it. He designed it ultimately more than any other individual. There were other people, but he designed it more than any other one person. And he said he would rather see the whole thing fall apart than see it end with everyone killing each other. So you want to hear something creepy that the shade said that I only noticed how creepy it was mm. when I was watching the video. <laughs> he, he, you know, like we, we obviously compare New Hampshire um, and the federal government to, you know, spouses and the federal government abusing us. What, what he said was, well, it took two parties. It took the federal government as well as New Hampshire to agree to let us in. Therefore, it takes both of us to consent to us leaving. That's terrifying. So if you get yeah. married and then one of you beats the other with a tabletop. Or- My wife can't leave me unless we both agree she can leave. So she wants to leave <laughs> perpetual. There's, he literally said there's no unilateral separation. That's not a thing. It took two to Same. enter. It takes both consenting to leave. I'm just saying. Very I hope, creepy. I hope he's not a married man. Maybe, I was just saying maybe women won't date him after they hear. <laughs> very, very sick. The number is 603-283-6160. But still, uh, and I want to come back to this question. What do you think? As far as percentage of U.S. military, like you've been around some military people a lot in your work, what percentage of them would go ahead and follow the order to start killing people in New Hampshire? When we come back. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live, phones open if you want to join in here. The number is 603-283-6160. Can independence happen? Can peaceful secession be a real thing in the United States or anywhere in the world for that matter? Uh, arguably, Brexit is a great example of this, but I know you, uh, Laser, you've got an objection to that. We can talk about that. But I did ask a question uh, first here. It's Ian Laser and Alu in the studio tonight. And Laser, you've uh, you you aren't in the military, but you've worked closely with militaries. You're a contractor, you're a diplomat, and so you've spent a lot of time with these guys. I spent right? a lot of time around military from various countries. Yeah, and of the United States military people that you've spent time around, and you've probably not explicitly asked them this question, though. If you have, that'd be great. Um, how many of them do you think would go ahead and follow the order to invade New Hampshire? Occupy the streets, possibly round people up, black bag them, take them to uh, rendition camps, possibly, you know, set people's houses on fire. Like what? How many of them would go ahead and just do that? So not directly regarding New Hampshire, but I have flatly asked some of my friends this question. Okay, if it came down to it, would they go in now? They're people. Would they go into some state that has anywhere? Would they simply the way I posed the question was. If it came up, would you bear arms against fellow Americans? Mm, okay. My personal friends wouldn't mm-hmm. because they're the kind of people who are my friends. Uh, if they were the kind of people who would, they probably wouldn't not be, your be friends. my friends. Fair enough. So there's that. And I did ask one so far as, hey, what do you think your whole unit would do? So this particular friend, his quick background, he was a civilian paramedic. He became a helicopter paramedic. He went and joined the Marine Corps. He became a Marine recon sniper. He went to re-enlist and said, I want to be an officer. They said, we got nothing for you, but how do you feel about flying? And he goes, will that make me an officer? And they said, if you go to the Army, it'll make you a warrant officer. So he's currently a Black Hawk pilot. So he's, as he put it, he can 
shoot them, fix them, and fly them out all by himself. Okay. He's an interesting guy. He said he's also a Kentucky boy. Like, this is a backwoods, homegrown boy from the holler who's as red-blooded American as you can be. He said the the unit, the guys he works with, he said none of them would do it. Okay. But he's also, again, this is this is a guy coming out of Kentucky, and the guys he's working with are Kentucky, Tennessee. These are guys in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and they're... I don't think there's anything in the world that can make those boys shoot another person. And I spoke to a a, uh, former Marine on Wednesday. So was it yesterday? Yeah. I spoke (laughs) to someone in in New Hampshire who was in the U.S. Marines, so served with people from all over the United States. And he said he thinks nobody in the military would do it. He said if we seceded and the United States government deployed um, people, men with guns, to go kill us, it would be National Guards and not military. I don't know why he said that. But that's what he said. Mm-hmm. He said National Guards wouldn't do it except maybe like California would comply. He said the most likely to comply, to, to be ordered to do it and to comply with it would be federal um, uh, three-letter agency goons. He said they so like the Federal Protective Service or FBI. 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 Yeah, he yeah, said they NSA, might comply ATF, with it, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they have, you know, not but a, ton, a lot but of those guys million. are former military too. That too. Yeah, vast, you know? yeah. So I here's my problem with that contention is for starters, we've already seen this happen in the United States. If you think of just the last couple of years in Minnesota, and I have videos that I can show you. I trust you. Convoys of armored vehicles rolling down the street. National Guard vehicles. We're talking Humvees. Mm-hmm. We're talking armored personnel. Yeah, but you're carriers. talking about during riots. Yes. However, this is an example of a governor calling in the National Guard mm-hmm. who are firing rubber bullets into people's homes because they have the door open and they're filming. Yeah, no, that's terrifying. Right. And and uh, the, another example, of course, Watertown, Massachusetts, after the Boston bombing, Absolutely. where they literally had uh, p- police in camouflage with armored personnel carriers yep. pointing guns at people's windows, not because they were in any kind of danger, just because they can. Just because. And so there's definitely some ca- scary, insane police state stuff going on out there. But none of those things were done under the auspices of, oh, we're going to invade another state. It was all done under the auspices of fear. And if indeed this movement stays as peaceful as I think Alu and I and everybody that's involved intends it to be, then they, they can't make the same excuses. Yeah, you, you still haven't proven I that, 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 that the people th- of the United States support would support the U.S. government killing all of us. Uh, you know, because again, they don't want to lose the election. I know it's a quick thing, and it can happen in a few days. But still, they're thinking there's an election in a few months. There's always an election in a few months always. or a year. So they're thinking if they do this and it's very unpopular. I know they don't care if it's unpopular. Congress has an approval rating below cockroaches. I know, you know, it's nine percent. But they're unpopular. <laughs> that being said, how how you know violently angry are the people right now? People are angry about certain things and taxes. But if they are killing people in New Hampshire, which again are their cousins and their friends. And they're so unpopular, everyone in Congress is removed. They don't want that to be removed next November. I think they don't want it right now. I think with a little bit of steering, I can not only get them wanting it, but I can get them begging for it. I could do that myself. I don't think it's that difficult. So one, it's all about labeling and propaganda, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, you're peaceful guys who just want to leave. But if I spend six months pounding the narrative through every single possible media outlet that you're armed, dangerous, right-wing <laughs> extremist, domestic we know terrorists. That. I, I 
admit they'll do that. We all know they will. They've been saying that about New Hampshire for a long time. Right. And by, and by the way, right. by the way, as far as crying wolf, they've been saying that we're armed, crazy, demented, right wing nationalist <laughs> bigots forever. Do you think the word racist, bigot, violent is kind of losing its steam maybe over the last few decades? I would say so right up until the point of secession, at which point they can go see everything we've claimed yeah. is true. Yeah. Everything we've claimed is true. But that said, uh, a lot of people, I think you, one of you touched on this, although I think it was you, that a lot of people, when they're presented with the question of should California be able to secede, certainly people on the right say, hell yeah, get, a, get out. Oh, yeah. Right? They're, they're in support of their political enemies leaving. So similarly, there would be a lot of people, the people that see New Hampshire as this right-wing place, which it isn't. New Hampshire's a purple state. New Hampshire's very independent. The plurality of voters here are actually independent. They're not registered as Democrats or Republicans. But regardless, people perceive what they perceive so the people perceive us as these right-wing crazies are going to say yeah get them out of here we don't need their their senators or whatever even though they're on the left uh, <laughs> they're going to say get out of here and uh and i think that ultimately if you look at the surveys that have been done there's actually some really interesting numbers out there from just within the last couple of years i and i don't remember the name of uh who did the survey but they asked a question all around the united states and they asked essentially the question was and i'm paraphrasing would you support your state seceding from the United States and joining a union of the surrounding states? So, like, there was New England secession, and then there's, like, the Southwest, and then, you know, Pacific Northwest, and so these sort of areas of the country. And a shocking number of people, like, I was surprised by how many people supported that particular question. Obviously, it's not a pure secession question as far as, you know, should a state be free to leave and go its own way, but it was a question about secession. In the South, there was obviously a large number of Republicans, like 60% or something like that, that supported the question. Uh, but even in New England, there were actually a lot of Democrats that supported this question. And it was around, I think, 34% on average in New England, if I recall correctly, supported that question. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the whole uh, since then, there's been this whole national divorce thing, which has been trending where even people on both the left and the right have been supporting this. I feel like the the times have changed on this issue or they're starting to change. And don't you think that the zeitgeist, uh, the, the spirit of the times, the what people think is going to play into whether or not the government goes full on hardcore and starts killing people? So, again, like I was saying earlier to all of us, I think that this is a stepped approach. In terms of the government, if you say we're independent, their first step will not be bomb you. Mm -hmm. Their first step will be, oh, you want to be independent? Nobody and nobody out unless they swear fealty. <laughs> their second step will be, oh, if anybody goes out, we hold them forever. Their third step will be take out the head of Medusa. Mm -hmm. Their fourth step will be take out more people. There are a lot of steps before bomb them all. I still fully think that if it comes to it, they will bomb them all. But there are a lot of steps before that that will begin to make people question, is this worth it? Oh, my neighbor disappeared yesterday. Oh, my cousin disappeared yesterday. Oh, suddenly at every gas station I go to, there's an FBI car. At some point, the question is, are people willing to keep going down this road? Or did they begin to be too frightened? The number is 603-283-6160. And that is an important question. I mean, if people aren't willing to, uh, to take this chance... And to go down this sort of unbeaten path and see what happens, then it'll never it'll never play out. So we do need some we do need some brave people who are willing to take a risk. There's more coming up here. You can join us in the remaining moments of Free Talk Live coming up. It is Free Talk Live, and moments remain here. This show has flown by for me. Yeah. You guys have been great. 
Thanks for coming all the way out here from the Manchester Hooks area. It. Yeah. It. Uh, check them out at libertyblock.com. It's uh, Laser and Alu joining me tonight. And I'm Ian, the number 603-283-6160. You can join us online, by the way. We do have our social media platform. You can go to social.freetalklive.com. Alu, you've got an account on there, I think. Or yeah, you're somewhere on Mastodon, right? Yep. Uh, check it out because it is uh, free, number one. And number two, it's not run by some big tech media corporation. It's actually run by us. We're running it on our server. It's Mastodon. That means it's open source. That means it's federated with other Mastodon. So if you know other people on other Mastodon servers, and there are thousands of them, you can follow them and they can follow you and you don't have to be on the same server. It's pretty sweet social.freetalklive.com also do want to say thanks to jcom3030 who is a diamond level supporter of the free talk live amp patreon you can join us over at amps.freetalklive.com amps actually stands for advertise market promote and support it's a way for you to help us get the ideas of liberty independence on more radio stations around the country we're on over 190 great stations that air this show at various different times throughout the week we could be on 250 300 it's possible but it does take money it does take time and effort and your uh, amp dollars can help us with that amps.freetalklive.com you can go over there and sign up like jcom3030 now jcom did diamond level which is completely like amazing uh but all we ask for is five bucks a month so please help us out we certainly appreciate you uh over at amps.freetalklive.com let's go to bob he's in west virginia listening i think to wvts there in charleston bob you're on free talk live go ahead very good uh yes before hostilities commenced at Fort Sumter, uh, it was it was accepted uh, that the Declaration of Independence, along with the Constitution, were part and parcel to the organic law of the land, where in the Declaration of Independence, we are given the the franchise to separate from whatever government does not uh, that we disagree with. Mm-hmm. And uh, what changed all of that was uh, when the uh, in South Carolina, uh, the uh, attack on Fort Sumter was basically an attack on the federal United States, and it was an act of war. You see, they allowed for the creation of the Confederate States uh, all the way down to the president being selected, the vice president, and all of the officers of the Confederate States of America were created. And there was no action against the Confederate States until they attacked Fort Sumter, which was an act of war because Fort Sumter technically is not a part of South Carolina. Well, hold it on a, a second. Well, there, there was a blockade that was an act of war. Yeah, so I was going to say, Laser, you were giving us the history earlier. So. I'll field this for you, Bob. Uh, Fort Sumter, if you were to divide the United States into the colonies, mm. Fort Sumter is unquestionably in South Carolinian waters because it's swimmable. Well, that's not what Abraham Lincoln said. Right. Well, no, he was a liar. you're 100% Abraham correct. Abraham Lincoln said Fort Sumter is part and parcel to the federal United States. This is an act of war. Absolutely. Mm. Right, but what came before that? But, but there was something that came before that, and that was the, uh, the Lincoln was cutting them off, right? So you are correct, Bob. You are 100% correct, unequivocally. That is what Lincoln said. If you were to and look before at Before that, we had a perfect right and perfect obligation 
to separate from uh, the federal United States if we so chose to do. All right, but I want Laser to be able that to answer was a right this. In, in the in the organic law of the land, which included the Declaration of Independence, that was accepted as uh, settled law. Bob, I want to uh, give Laser a chance to respond was, to what you've brought up so far. Can you go ahead, Laser? So I'll feel that, Bob. I, I love this. I appreciate you bringing this up. As what I like to think, I'm the re- I'm the resident uh, scholar on this particular war and the development of it. If you go back far enough, the very first movement to separate from the United States was actually in the War of 1812, and it was actually based in New England, and it involved five states who said, hey, we're not really into this war. We're going to leave, and that almost led to the very first secession. You then later in the late 1820s have the beginning of what became known as the Tariff of Abominations, which almost led to the secession of numerous southern states, again, based around South Carolina. This eventually South ended Carolina, in... South Carolina, 1827. Exactly. And then you have the nullification crisis, and then you have some degree of resolution in, 19, in 1832. So this was building for right. a very, very long, long time. Now, if you were to look at it geographically, if you recognize South Carolina as an independent nation or an independent state within a different confederation of states, Fort Sumter is unquestionably a piece of South Carolinian land because of the sheer proximity to mainland South Carolina versus mainland anywhere else. So what essentially happened early on there is South Carolina said, we have seceded, right? They vote, they passed. I've been down to the museum in Greenville where they actually have the document of secession from South Carolina. They have one of the original copies, which was interesting to see. Now, South Carolina secedes and they say, hey, we have now left and Sumter, that little tiny island, that's part of our land. So you're going to need to leave that too. And Lincoln says, absolutely not. As you said, Lincoln says, this is part and parcel part of the Union. We're not leaving. South Carolina says, well, I mean, I can jump from where I'm standing onto Fort Sumter. This is a piece of South Carolina, and you need to leave. Lincoln's response was to blockade all of the harbors and ports of South Carolina, not allowing any trade in or out, which has for centuries centuries, Mm -hmm. this has been recognized as an act of war because if you strangle the economy and the economy of the South – especially once it became hostile between the South and the North. The economy of the South was entirely agricultural, and it was Mm textile-based, primarily cotton, and this was trade with several European nations. And without that, the South was going to die. And Lincoln knew that. So Lincoln knew that he didn't have to fire the first shot. Look, I hate the man, but he was very smart. He knew that he doesn't have to fire the first shot. He simply has to put South Carolina in a position wherein either they die or they fire the first shot. So he choked the ports and he choked the harbors, and eventually he pushed South Carolina into either we all starve to death because we have no trade, because the North will no longer trade with us, and we don't want to trade with the North, and every time we try to push a boat out to sea full of cotton to go trade with France, we're turned back by Union naval ships. And so eventually their only choice was to remove the naval blockade and remove Sumter Hmm. so they could open the Atlantic Ocean or simply die. So they fired the first That's shot. When they killed off the the perfect right and obligation to separate was by that war itself. 
Unf- that actually softened the reality of what was in the Declaration of Independence. Well, if you're if you're implying that might makes right and wars decide um, morality or the law, then I, I think I would disagree there. Well, yeah, I don't think they killed off anything. They certainly made a statement, and it scared a lot of people. But if you get enough people who are ready to do this and ready to do it peacefully, I think it's an idea that's time has come again. Bob, what do you think? I think that you shouldn't attack any federal reservation in New Hampshire. Good plan. Thanks for the call <laughs> tonight, Bob. I Wait, yeah, appreciate good idea. it. Yeah, that is a tough issue, cause I, I, and it's something again, it I've right. gotten every question right. at this point. I've gotten you know thousands right. of questions. It, right now, there is, in every state, in, in, including New Hampshire, there are federal lands. We have, sure. there have some federal Parks. bases. Yeah, the, right. the, whole, the whole middle of New Hampshire is the, the White Mountain National Forest. That's right. a national forest. Thanks, Teddy Roosevelt. And nice. um, that's a lot of land. And also, I think someone mentioned the uh, Pease Air, Air Force, Force Base, Base is you know, federal, shared with the National Guard, because right now yeah. they're the same military. So that's also somewhat federal. So they mentioned that would be an issue. And again, I actually think I addressed this in Articles of Secession. Um, I wrote a little booklet mostly for the state reps. Let me see if I have some cards here. I have cards somewhere. Um, and, you know... The We've cover of the uh, Articles of Secession, you know, the book cover. <laughs> so I wrote when when the legislators like uh, Baldessaro and a few other state reps in that hearing said, you guys just want secession. You don't have a plan. I said, we do have a plan. I've written about this in Blueprint for Liberty and other books and articles mm-hmm. and podcasts. But you know what, Al, because I like you and because you were the first state rep to endorse me in my primary and you always supported me, I'll write a book for you. So I dedicated you know, the whole book to him. <laughs> I, and then a few days later, I gave him an, uh, on the voting day, it. on the voting day, yeah. on March 10th, I gave him a signed copy, personalized thinking, mm-hmm. Al. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think you read it. No. But I wrote a whole, a whole booklet answering all those common questions. One of them is what happens to, you know, our military, their military and shared military installations and other another another part of the book. I think I addressed the national land and it's complicated. And pretty much yeah. we would have negotiations like any divorce, but divorce is complicated. Yes, no one's saying it's not. Yet divorce still happens, right? Like 50% of marriages end in divorce nowadays. So yes, there would be some negotiations and things right. would happen. And either, you know, we would keep all the land and we would give them a few million of their FRNs, you know, a few million bucks and we would keep the land or we would let them have some rights to, um, you know, have, you know, share the Air Force Base on Pease, which is kind of on the border anyway. They could so, pay us. Yeah, or they could pay us to use it. So yeah. there would be some deals. You know, again, people think we're dumb cowboys with, with no uh, plan or we haven't thought about this. There are going to be deals made and, you know, that... Yeah, it's complicated, but we're going to make deals and figure it out. So I, just, I want to give Bob some credit real, real, real quick, if I can. Bob is right seconds. that you should not attack federal lands. My qualm with that is that the feds have claimed a whole lot of lands, so you have no choice eventually but to step on them or they will step on you. Yeah. Well, and, that's where the nation, the negotiation can come into play. If like, you want to hear more of this kind of debate, check out Liberty Blocks podcast as well on any podcast caster. Yeah, we're here all the time. Absolutely. And that's at libertyblock.com. Check them out. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Thanks, guys.